the 2010s, not so long ago. Does feel like feel like a lifetime for some of these movies that we're going to be talking about today. We've got three of us on deck uh, doing top 10 from the 2010s, 2010 all the way to 2019. Expect a wide range of movies here, a lot of passion, a lot of intensity, maybe some emotion. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Azagari. And I'm Adam Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. All right. Uh, top 10 lists are always a lot of fun. Uh, I want to kind of jump right into this. I've got a few things, a few statistics that I want to shout out and a few kind of rules that we set for these, th- this uh, project here. So we got three of us. Uh, Adam's going to go first in naming his movies, uh, then Connor, then, then, then myself. And we'll go 10, 10, 10, 9, 9, 9, 8, 8, 8, so on and so forth. Uh, the stats I want to shout out real quick. You know, this is obviously a huge, huge pool of movies from 2010 to 2019. Uh, like hundreds for each of us. So I went through y'all's letterbox. I did a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of detective work here. Uh, Adam, you have, cause you, you are um, a much different letterboxed user than myself. And I would say even Connor, uh, you're not as gracious with the five star, uh, you know, ratings. So on, on your, on your letterbox, as I looked at it, you have 10 five star movies from the 2010s, but two of them, are 30 for 30s that were technically, you know, uh, TV documentaries. One of them is, uh, one of them is the two Escobars. I also have it a five star. And the other one is Hillsborough. I also have that a five star, both soccer documentaries that are excellent, highly recommend them. And then you have, uh, eight others that were up for grabs for this project that are, uh, so I imagine all of those will be on your list here. Uh, the eight, five stars, then you had to kind of pick a couple of, uh, four and a half star ones, uh, Connor, you have 23 five-star movies. Uh, a lot of those are franchise movies. Uh, and the rule that you set for yourself and then Adam and I followed is we cannot have any franchise titles in this, uh, in this project, in, this, in these lists. Uh, I love that for you because it allowed you to challenge yourself and uh, pick more singular, you know, idiosyncratic uh, projects, films. And I love that. Um, Adam, I believe you had to make one sort of change because you want to do it two. two cha- ah, yeah, one, yeah, of them, yeah. one of them being Mad Max. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mad Max and uh, Toy Story 3. You had to kind of cut out of your list because you're like, hey, I love those, but I also want to follow this rule if you guys are following it. Um, I did not have any on mine, but I do love some uh, some some franchise stuff from, from, for the decade. But Connor, I imagine you had a tough time, you know, killing your darlings there is a uh, it's a ballsy move, and I love it. Uh, so 23 is still a lot. You take away your franchise stuff. You still have a lot to choose from. There are five stars. But from the math that I did, you still had to kind of reach into the pool of four-and-a-half-star movies on your Letterboxd. Uh, you also have a lot of five-star uh, stand-up comedy <laughs> specials on your Letterboxd. I was like, man, this guy likes to laugh. What I, I tell you what. <laughs> I I almost didn't include stand-up specials on my letterbox, but I think I got bored one day and was like, fuck it, let's throw them in. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's sometimes an hour, hour and a half of your life. Uh yeah. yeah. Fuck it. Exactly. Fuck it. 
And like, you know, usually if I'm not laughing, I'm just going to turn it off. Uh, so if I'm going to finish it, I liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The franchise rule. When we, we did this, uh, a similar project way back when we started the, the first podcast and yeah. my list was like, you know, Harry Potter, Marvel, like just loaded with franchise stuff. And that's great. You know, those are great movies. I don't want to take away from that, but I feel like I've grown a lot as a film fan as a, and as a person. And I wanted to single out individual stories, original stories, unique movies and kind of just, you know, separate myself for a bit from franchise fatigue, which I've definitely been getting lately. Oh, I yeah. Like that. Uh, yeah. So I, I, Connor, how many, how many, if you, if you would not have created that rule, how many would you have put in your top 10? Oh, at least four. Okay. Uh, I, I figured Endgame game would have been there. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two would have been there. Toy Story John Wick would have been there. John Wick would have been there. Yeah. It would have been overloaded. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So Toy Story three was, was one that I would have had in mind as well. Um, that that Mad Max Fury Road and also also Mad Max we just did that so I'm like I don't need to I mean it probably is one of my ten favorite um, but I I was like we just talked about that I don't really need to include that again here um, because we did an entire podcast on it so that was kind of the two the two that I see I, yeah for me so like I'm not a big Marvel guy so like I didn't even like consider like a single one um, but I was curious because I know you were the one who kind of came up with that rule how it would have it, it hampered you so that's interesting so I guess yeah about four you would have had that's interesting yeah I would have had I guess you could say one and a half you know. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Mad Max is like, like, like yeah, y'all's episode is great on that movie. Uh, I also love that movie. Uh, it, it, it technically is franchise, but it also is so singular. Uh, but again, like you said, Adam, you're kind of like, oh, we just did that. I spilled my passion for it and admiration for it. Great episode. If you uh, like that movie, definitely go back and listen to that. Um, I have 27 five star movies, the most of all three of us. <laughs> I give these things out like fucking candy. Um, I. It's part of kind of who I am. Uh, I allow things sometimes to a fault. I allow things to just wash over me and take me over like very, very quickly, whether it be art or uh, even sometimes with like sports moments or uh, people. Uh, so there are times where it kind of bites me in the ass, but at the same time, it's who I am. It's like kind of what, what like kind of has molded me. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll still, I'll stick with that, you know, and I'm not going to shy away from it. So I had a lot of movies to choose from. I, I just was able to choose 10 movies from my five-star pool, which made it very difficult. You know, uh, some of the movies I cut, it's like, God damn, you know, this is just obviously a stacked decade because we have all of us are, uh, you know, uh, Connor and I are in our late twenties, Adam in his early thirties. So this is obviously the decade where we are going to the theater the most, um, you know, trying to find ourselves as movie fans, as artistic fans, and that that includes TV and whatever else you do, you know, video games, whatever it is. But uh, obviously, it's movies here. So this is going to be awesome. Uh, I have the master list kind of, so I can see Adam's movies, Connor's movies, and my movies because there is some overlap. And right, I, we and thought I have about- not seen so Connor. And I have not seen yours or or each other's, but we have correct. Not- yeah. Yeah. Correct. Which which is kind of like an interesting wrinkle, right? So yeah. when it gets to when it gets to certain movies, like Adam and I have two that match, Adam and Connor have two that match, and Connor and I have two that match. So it's kind of like a perfect, it's kind of like a Wes Anderson symmetrical little little thing here. <laughs> but so, but I, none of us have have one. Like there's not one movie that all three of no, us have. Amazing. No, yeah. isn't that crazy? Yeah, I thought yeah. that was pretty mind blowing. Now, 
yeah yeah we'll we'll get to it there's one that i had to cut where i was like i I don't know what i'm doing i feel like i'm kind of not being myself here but you just have to you know when you get to the eight nine ten you're like ah because list making is a you know it's an art form and you don't want to just be like 10 serious ass movies you know you want to have things that represent who you are so we're going to see that as we get well, going on, the, on that point real quick. I mean, I don't, I don't we, we got to get to the movies because there's so no, many. No, you're good. You're good. Um, on that point, I, I mean, I asked Austin at one point, I said, are you leaning more towards best of the decade or favorite of the de- decade? Because favorite. for me, for me, that's a very different question. Um, yes. And I, I, I so there, there are things that I had, I, I'm curious if you guys had this issue too, that I rated four and a half that I'm like, ooh, I, I'd probably return to that more than some of the ones I have five. And like, I might have like more fun watching that movie. But this one that's a five star is a better movie. Now I ended up including the kind of I guess I guess technically seven um, five star movies that I had since I, I rolled out Mad Max. But yeah, um, but I, there was a couple on the on the four and a half that I was like, oh, I I probably like I probably return to that more. Um, maybe it's like more of a favorite. So I end up kind of splitting the difference a little bit. I did want yeah. all five stars in there, but yeah, there I'm sure there you guys had so many more five stars than I did. Were there some four and a half? So you were like, oh dang, I kind of want to get that in there. Like, is that like was that hard to do? Uh, I kind of didn't look at them because, <laughs> because, because it's like, uh, yeah, it's 27. So many, it's enough to be kind of like, all right. And the way I, the way I use letterbox specifically is very much like a goofy movie is a five-star movie on my letterboxd. I'm well, well aware. It's not the greatest feat of the nineties, but in my mind, in my world, it's one of the most rewatched movies of my entire life. And so like, that's what get five. That's what gets five stars for me. It's great when they have stars line and you get like a Zodiac where you're like, oh, not only have I seen this 45 times, but it also might be one of the like five greatest movies of that actual decade. Uh, sure. Connor, how about Connor? How about you? I have always taken into account my own personal feelings over any critical acclaim. That's always been a priority to me. If I like the movie, if I go back to the movie, if the movie gets something out of me, it matters. I don't care who, what people have said about it. I don't care what people have claimed, you know, the status it's just, it's received over the years. It could be from 1935. It could be from last week. If it got something out of me, it belongs to me. Yeah, I like that. So, so yeah, yeah. And I, I probably I probably let I probably let a critical like you know what is this like mean and the zeitgeist like in too much in my mind. But I will say I will say for this like I, I do I do still think there is a difference between my favorite and the best. Like there are things that yeah I think that's a better movie. Like okay, I'm trying to think of a. I won't use an example because I wanted to say anything that's on either of our list, but like, okay, this is a better movie, but I like this movie more. Does that make sense? Like I can, I can do that. Like regardless of what anybody else is saying about it. Yeah. I can compare it to a better movie, but I do, but I do like this one more. Yeah. The goofy movie is kind of a funny example of that. Cause like, I love the goofy movie, but like, is it better than, um, Shawshank know. Redemption? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, no, <laughs> yeah, but, so I, but I might like it more. <laughs> but I might like it more. <laughs> that's a good, yeah. that's a good example. My, yeah. my favorite example is, I think like 2007 is such like a stellar year and you have, you know, there will be blood and Zodiac, no country. But if someone was like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I like super bad, better than all of them. I would be like, I, I get it. I get it. You, yeah. you probably have seen it 45 times and, and you just enjoy it. Now, if you're going to come to me and be like, it's a better piece of art than those other three, then I, I, I think it's a conversation, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a good point. Uh, I think I've just, you know, when it comes to film, I grew up with films that weren't necessarily critical, you know, favorites, but they were significant to me. So I've always viewed film as more of a personal yeah. journey than a kind of artistic, you know, trying to prove something kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. I can respect anybody's journey and how they're going on it. You know, we're all 
we're all on this on this ride, but we're all taking different different flights, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I think on that, like Austin, you know, we we had parents who definitely were into movies, and like we definitely like they, they showed us stuff, and like we they take us to movies and stuff like that. Um, but I will say, like as I got older and I started to, like really dive into this world, like like deeper. Um, I'm like a total like obsessive like. I can't do things like lightly. Like if I, if I follow stuff, I follow it like really, really closely. Like my goal is to be like an expert on the topic, you know? So when I started to kind of like dip my toe in that, in the movie world, I needed some sort of like filter system. Like I couldn't just be like, okay, here's entire history of movies. Like how do I like narrow this yeah. down? So I started listening to podcasts and like listening to people, you know, older than me, um, like, Hey, you'd like this or you, you know, this would be good. Or, Oh, I really like the way these people talk about uh, movies and these are the movies they like. So I'll, I'll dip into those too. So I do kind of like have it as like a filter yeah. system you know it wasn't kind of passed down as much so i think that's like blood into how i like you know rate them as well you know um so for better or worse i think there's there's some positive that come of that because i've discovered a ton that i would not have without that um but there are also times where i'm like i probably let it color my own opinion of it a little bit too much yeah and that's yeah. a good point because i you know like i don't know how that what that's like i've never had to like kind of start from scratch and figure out like what should i watch it's always just been a part of my dna since i was a kid so yeah, yeah I, I respect that. I respect like the way you're kind of going about this. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you two, you two simply watch like more than I do, like just like quite a bit more than I do. So um, yeah, you're operating from like a, like a, a wider range of like seeing things. Um, now this decade, I obviously saw a ton. I mean, that's, that's this decade was my twenties. Like I turned 20 in 2010. So um, that's, it's like a perfect time as you're, like starting to get yeah. really into this stuff. And I was going to the theater a ton. I was living in a town for, for I guess, four of those years where the movie tickets were like four bucks for students. So I was, I saw movies every weekend, like multiple weekend, you know, I'd go back to back. So I'd, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was awesome. So yeah, a lot college. of these actually, yeah. College station, baby. Yeah. College station, Texas. <laughs> Shout out Cinemark in college station, Texas. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, 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 I've got, a, I've got a movie. We saw there together on my list. So oh, <laughs> uh, were there other people with us? Um, I think one, Maybe two people, definitely one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll, 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 I have a feeling I know what it is, but yeah. We'll it's see. not Monsters University. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I can't wait to hear kind of you guys' like stories with these movies. And obviously, obviously, I am like kind of the connector here between, you know, Connor's one of the best friends I've ever had in my life and, and Adam's my oldest brother. And we're very, very close. Uh, he was the best man at my wedding. I was the best man at his. You know, we're like, we, we're not just brothers. We're like very, very tight. And so we have these conversations all the time. So I wasn't that surprised by y'all's list, but mm. you guys might learn a lot about each other through this. So Adam, yeah. without, further, for, without further ado, give us your number 10. Okay. Um, this is one I just like, it's a four and a half for me on Letterboxd. And I, I saw it in theaters. Also, we saw it in theaters together. Um, New York, baby. Yeah. In New York on Times Square. Yeah. In New York. Um, and, and I had I knew nothing about the movie when I went into it. I was like, man, what is this? Like, it came out in 2010. We were on a we were on a trip with, I guess, our dad and one of our other brothers. Um, yeah, an impromptu like late summer kind of trip to New York. We went to a basketball game. I remember. So we were just like, oh, let's see a movie. This looks like kind of fun. You know, like we'll see. And I, I knew nothing about it. This whole world was like not that interesting to me. Uh, but it is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, yes, my number ten, number ten movie. It has grown on me so much in the years since then. Um, I've seen it a ton since then. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, that was fun. You know, I left the theater thinking like, oh, that's pretty cool. But, like, it didn't really do that great of business. Um, but it has had this, like, second life on on streaming services and through the music and stuff like that. And the cast, like, you look at it now and it's like they've gone on to do crazy. I mean, it's just like yeah. a loaded, loaded cast. So um, every time I watch it, I like it more and more. And I saw it, I don't know, maybe maybe two summers ago and showed a couple people to it. Showed a couple people it. And they were like, this movie is incredible. Like, this is so funny. This is so clever. Uh, really well done. The music is awesome. So 
Um, yeah, that was my number 10. I really want to kind of squeeze it in there at number 10. So Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Love it. Love this movie. It's great. Also four and a half star kind of movie for me. Uh, and I, yeah, I have a similar, just kind of, you know, we obviously saw it for the first time together. And do you remember, uh, I can't remember what M night Shyamalan movie had a trailer, but everybody just laughed. Uh, it, cause you know, it's, it's New York. It was like highbrow. It was like a nice theater, uh, downtown. Uh, and, and everyone was just like, Pfft fucking like you know just like oh here comes m night just stroking it i just can't remember what movie it was for 2010 that had to be the last airbender it is uh yeah uh, yeah 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 yeah. it is yeah yeah so awesome that's when i kind of was i was 15 adam was 20 and i was just kind of like these are my people (laughs) 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 oh yeah good stuff connor what's your story with uh scott pilgrim i you guys aren't gonna like this um oh no I've seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world one time and I didn't care for it, uh, but admittedly devastating. <laughs> this was my like sophomore year of college. And I was, I, you know, was still very early in you know, what kind of film buff I wanted to be. I know that col- like college is kind of when I figured this out with my film classes that I took. And this was a, a, cl- a film that was part of my intro to film class, like to show off uh I, I don't I don't remember why she put it on this on the syllabus, but I watched it and I thought, this is goofy. Like, what is this? So I want to watch it again because I'm a much different person now and I feel like I'd appreciate it a bit more. So I definitely am going to watch that again. Yeah, well, uh, good, good news. We're going to be doing an episode, a singular episode on every single movie that's named today. So the first movie we will do after this uh, next week is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, yeah yeah this this is great you know uh, edgar wright's the man he's had a really cool really cool career and uh one of the most unique films from from the decade and uh, i think adam i think the coolest thing now 13 years later fuck me uh is is the cast i mean there's like oscar winners in, in this movie yeah yeah and, so, and captain america yeah how, how 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 much do you want to talk about you know each movie like in terms of like, you know, the director and also obviously, yeah, you said this is Edgar Wright, but yeah, real quick, I'll just go through kind of the like, here's yeah. the cast. Yeah. Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Kieran Culkin, Anna Kendrick, Allison Pill, Aubrey Plaza, Jason Schwartzman, Johnny Simmons, Ellen Wong, uh, Mark Weber, uh, Ben Lewis, Nelson Franklin. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like this, yeah, murder's row of, of really awesome you- people. And then like some kind of really fun, like little, like smaller roles too for some people too, um, which I've left off. Austin, you can go ahead. Yeah. With your, with your Captain Mary. I mean, Brie Larson, like, Chris Evans. Yeah. It's like it's like just these like incredible Brandon Routh, like these like crazy Bill Hader is the voice of of uh the movie. Like it's it's just it's a yeah, murder's row. Yeah. Did you guys see that they're they're like they're doing an animated series with the yeah. entire cast coming back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's insane. Cool. Yeah. It, it it's a testament to its fan it's its fan club is just very dedicated. And I, I will watch that simply because they got everybody literally everybody back for it. So that's 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 telling you something. Yeah. Good pick. Good way to start this out. I was not expecting that. Yeah, we, we all three have kind of like fun first picks. So uh Connor, you're next with your number 10. My number 10, I had no intention to see this. I the trailer looked goofy, it looked derivative, and I was like, this is dumb. It's culture eating itself. And then um I got invited to an employee screening when I, we were working at Draft House. It was a rainstorm. I was like, yeah, why not? I got nothing going on. And I fell in love with this insanely cool movie, Ready Player One. Steve, Steven. <laughs> See, oh, the closest to a franchise film I'm going to get here. 
it was <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's everything it's you know we get a little back to the future some jurassic park some the shining uh fucking world of warcraft like everything shoved into this crazy pop culture balloon and uh when i went to see it the power went out during the climax and i was so pissed because i had to go drive home in the rain and then i went and saw it again the next morning because i was like i want to see how this fucker ends i'm really into this and it was amazing i haven't like it's become part of my you know part of my collection i watch it all the time it's such an awesome movie it's, you know who else to do a film about a future where pop culture is literally like people live and breathe pop culture to exist Spielberg's got to be the guy to do that. I read the book uh, by Ernest Klein. Great book. Uh, the, the sequel book, uh, Ready Player Two, was awesome, too. I'm, I'm surprised that hasn't become a movie yet, considering how successful this was. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's fun. It's exciting. It's memorable. And it's just loaded with Easter eggs of pop culture from you know every decade. So definitely a, a good place to start for me. Nice. Yeah. Steven Spielberg's never never a bad place. Uh I've I've only seen this once. I I, I need to I need to rewatch it. I I I saw it with people who were just not like on board at all, and that made it kind of sad. I wanted to see it because it's it's Spielberg, and I want to see everything he does, especially if I get a chance to see it in theaters, because we don't know how much longer he's going to be, you know, doing this thing. So, uh, also an insane cast, you know, T.J. Miller, Mike, Mark Rylance, Simon Pegg, Ben Mendelsohn, like all these crazy fuckers in this movie, uh, makes it makes it fun. Yeah, I saw this in theater uh, the one time, and I, I I didn't I didn't dislike it. I just kind of was like, oh, that was cool, and I just I don't know why I've not watched it since then. But um, I did see it in theater and thought it was decent. Uh, yeah. Also, you talk about the cast. Uh, Ralph Innocent is in it as well, which is yeah, Finchie, yeah. Finchie from the original Office. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah the British Ralph, <laughs> Ralph Innocent is is an imposing motherfucker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, oh, I yeah. like it, yeah, I, I didn't I had no idea this was gonna be this is gonna be on there. So this was twenty what year was it? Twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's I'm I'm also curious to see our, our split of like the years where the movies came out. Like if that says anything oh, yeah. about either. Like oh yeah, that's gonna be really interesting to see. Cause I have I've yeah, I guess a couple from one year, a couple from another. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. It's it's a decent spread though. We're we're all we all did pretty good about like kind of spreading the wealth. Um you know, uh, I I think we all kind of had that in mind without really having to think about it. So, uh, so we got 2010 off the board, uh, 2018 off the board. Yep. Um, my number ten. Also, this is this is cool because we all we all all three of our number tens are just kind of fun and kind of you know talk, tell a lot about us. My number my number ten is 2016's Everybody Wants Some. Ah, Link- that was my last cut. <laughs> that was my last cut. Richard Linklater's. Yep. Yeah, you know, um. I almost made myself a rule uh, with like I can only have one movie per director, and I was like, "Nah, fuck that." You'll, I you'll find that out. Rule. Only, you'll, you'll only find you me. would have to make that rule. I, I did make that rule. I, I did make that rule. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, I, I ended up not following it with one guy. You can probably guess who, but uh, Link later. You know, he's got Before Midnight, Boyhood, and this. That all I love. All three of those movies. They're all kind of you know ten out of ten, five star kind of movies, but. You know, the one that's the most fun, the one that I rewatch the most is Everybody Wants Some. And I think rewatchability is a big part of my kind of fandom for things. And I have found myself because it's so kind of so kind of easy. You know, it's it's two hours and doesn't doesn't feel like it at all because it's kind of has that has that uh, uh, dazed and confused, you know, pace to it. Uh, the quick banter, the kind of just misogynistic young teens and then also these kind of these wild girls who, you know, just kind of like, oh, f- figuring myself out. 
And then you throw the whole baseball aspect into it. It's just so cool. I love this movie to death. I saw it by myself in theaters and when I was living in Houston. Uh, actually, I saw it in the woodlands because it wasn't playing everywhere. But uh, I felt very Texan that day, you know, um, <laughs> watching my guy Link and, uh, you know, in, in a place that he, you know, is very, very, very fond of and very familiar with uh, the Houston area, East Texas. So that movie kicks ass. Uh, I cannot wait to do an episode on it. Like I'm just going to be in heaven. I can't wait. That is going to be my favorite part of this whole project is getting to do all of these films in depth. That's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, Connor, have you seen this? I have not. Okay. So yeah, this is, this was my last cut. Like I literally had it at like number 11. Um, <laughs> and I, part of the reason I cut it is I thought Austin, you might put it on there. So I was like, ah, hopefully Austin does. So I'm really glad you did. So we had a chance to, to talk about it. Um, should, so, should, should, should we talk about our boy or what? <laughs> well, which, which one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, I'd say Glenn Powell wins this movie by a Glenn landslide. Powell, yeah, Glenn, <laughs> Glenn, Powell, Glenn Powell is so good in this movie. So, I one of the reasons I, I love this movie so much is it's, it's one that kind of grows on you, like as you know, the more you kind of see it. I mean, I loved it the first time, but it's like every time you see it, you like it kind of more and more. Um, it's people call it you know the spiritual sequel to Days and Confused, yeah, uh, which I think is like totally fair. So he played oh, so Linklater, cool. yeah. Linklater played college baseball in kind of a you know smallish town Texas. So um, clearly he he has an eye for all this stuff. The cast is really good, and also as someone who has coached you know sports for you know tons of years, they nail what it's like to be around like kind of like I don't know like alpha male guys that are like trying to like compete for different like spots on the team, and like there's clearly a leader, there's clearly a guy that's kind of a punching bag, like. There's kind of the, the bro of the team. There's the kind of sweetheart of the team. There's the like wisecracking guy of the team. Like they nailed that perfectly. Um, and it, like that is what it's like to be like, you know, a part of a team, especially one that's like, you know, that cares and, you know, um, has like a bit of a hierarchy. So yeah, it, it, it's it's clearly made by somebody who understands kind of what he's talking about. Um, and it's really good. And it's it's a solid cast. I mean, White Russell, I think is so good. Oh, Will, Will be, yeah, yeah. It's hilarious. When, 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 he, when that big moment happens with his character and he just kind of looks around and he's like, well, came here for a good time, not for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, yeah, I adore this. The music in it, God yeah. damn. Like just uh, I, Linklater is one of the kings of, of soundtracks, uh, needle drops. So yeah, man, uh, I can't wait for Connor to see this. I've always kind of pushed like, hey, Connor, I think you really dig this movie, and now we have a reason to really dig into it. So I cannot wait, man. And, and any chance I get to talk about Link later, I'm, I'm going to take it. Connor, I assume you like Days of Confused? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Okay, so yeah, you'll, you'll like this then. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 it, but like, I, it's hard. I, I hate saying this, but it's like it's like a better Days of Confused because, because of just like how much better of a filmmaker Richard Linklater is nowadays and how much more control he has, how much more money he has, quite frankly. Uh I'm not going to call it just in a vacuum, like a better movie. Like if you like days better, that's, that's totally fine. I, I love both of them pretty equally, but everybody wants some, just the, the production value and, and just kind of the, it, it's so refined for, for what a movie, uh, the kind of movie it is. It feels like only link later can make it. So uh, yeah, love, love that one. This is great. The, our tens Scott Pilgrim ready player one. Everybody wants some is just a fun way. It's going to get a little more serious towards the front end, but, uh, yeah, it's it, it, this, this is cool starting out this way. Uh, Adam, number nine. Number nine. Uh, I replaced this relatively late because I wanted to follow the no franchise rules. So I had Toy Story three in this slot, but I replaced it with a fellow Pixar film inside out. Yes. Um, saw this with my mom in theaters. Uh, oh, lovely. Awesome. Uh, yeah, really nice memory. And yeah, really just kind of a beautiful movie in terms of uh, describing kind of like like 
they're helping to describe kind of what the mind goes through, different um, emotions that someone can kind of feel. Um, I do like to feel things. I do feel emotional about about movies sometimes, about just art or sports or whatever it may be. Um, I do like accessing that side of me, and this 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 movie certainly did that. Obviously, in a, in a pretty silly way. Uh, like yeah. just some of the voices of the yeah, I mean, basically the premise is like these different voices represent different like emotions in in someone's mind. It's, it's a young girl um, that we're kind of like is like our you know Riley is the is the character's name. Sorry, Avatar. Uh, Amy Fuller, Lewis Black, Bill Hare, Minnie Kaling, Richard Kind, Phyllis Smith, um, Diane Lane. They're all voices uh, in this movie. Yeah, really just kind of a killer. Richard talk. Richard Kind. Uh, yeah, we just don't, we just, we just don't yeah. deserve him. Yeah, we just we just don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's um it's really kind of a beautiful movie. I mean, I I, I laughed, you know, I definitely cried at different points. Um, seen it a couple of times since the theater experience. And the theater experience was great. I saw it in this theater in Dallas. It was kind of like one of those like a uh, uh, not original but like the the kind of like recliner and like bring you food you know non draft house division um and yeah. yeah really enjoyed it so we were there for a basketball tournament and, and took a night to to go watch this so um really good memory uh directed by Pete Doctor a kind of a Pixar yeah. um veteran so um yeah really good movie inside out what do you, what do you guys think oh yeah I'm, I'm obsessed with this movie it's definitely something i had a hard time cutting out it's probably outside of toy story my favorite pixar movie of all time so yeah i just I think it's completely mind blowing and it's, it, it's kind of hit. And I remember every time I watch it, even though I've seen it like 10 times, it's always, it always seems to just kind of hit a certain, you know, chord in, in my mind. And uh, the most recent time that I watched it all the way through was uh my, my wife and I, Brianna, we went and saw it at the drive-in theater in New Braunfels, stars and stripes. And that was a really, really cool experience to watch it outside, like under the stars and just kind of, you know, be, be with someone that you can kind of just be quiet with, you know, and kind of just let these these kinds of things kind of wash over you. And you drive home and you're both just kind of like, damn, <laughs> you know, like, God, you know, that's just one of those movies that even even though it's aimed at children, it feels very much like it's timeless and uh, and, and ageless. So oh, I love this one. Well, that's always been Pixar's biggest strength is yeah. making Connecting. films aimed at kids that can trigger an emotional response out of the parents. And Inside Out, God damn yeah. that movie's being like used in like to teach kids about their emotions, which I, I love. And it's a very you know essential film and just a mind-blowingly sad movie. Uh, we all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't watch that scene without just falling apart. Um. But it is a phenomenal movie. Uh, it would have made my my list had there not been another Pixar movie that hit me just a bit harder. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The the take her to the moon for me is like one of the just all time like just chills like all the way up your <laughs> all the way up your arms, the hairs on the on the back of your neck standing up type type moments and and Richard Kind just yeah God bless so great yeah. pick Adam great thank pick. you at the, at the risk of sounding like uh, almost like dumb I mean I like. I use some of this vision, these visual cues um, as like things that help me, like, like, like the way, like a memory gets kind of like, you know, erased or it's like, Oh, I, I add these like new ones. So therefore like ones going to the past, there's core memories and things like that. It helps put like a, a visual representation of like what I think my mind is actually going through at times. Like, um, like I, as crazy as it is, it's like, it was made for, you know, a child. I actually think it's like really helpful to like, be like, Oh no, that's like a big deal. Like that memory is a big deal. Like I've had things happen in my life that are like a bigger deal than other ones. And like, those are kind of more core memories and, um, for people who've seen this movie, you can almost use that as like a shorthand to be like, oh yeah, like what are your core memories? Like I actually asked somebody that at yeah. a party like, relatively recently and they like totally knew. She's like, oh yeah, yeah, like I get what you're saying. Like, um, like she'd seen the movie and like that, that like is a very helpful tool, I think, for 
for people to be like, yeah, what are the things that like stand out more? What are the things that you like got kind of pushed to the back of your mind that like, you know, you made room for other like new memories and new things like that. Um, I think it's like a really cool shorthand for people to kind of like help explain their emotions and thoughts and feelings. It's, 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 yeah, it's really lovely. Yeah. Good shit. Uh, we're going to change pace here a bit for Connor's number nine. <laughs> uh, what, what do you got, man? And also explain your, uh, explain how you almost didn't choose this movie. So a thematic trilogy is not a franchise. If it's not actually connected, if it's just, you know, a spiritual series of sequels, I don't think it should be off the table. I, I agree. Because I got to have my Cornetto. <laughs> and The World's End is such a perfect cap to Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. Um, it's a story about a boy who became a man but never actually grew up and wants to get together with his high school buddies for one last, you know, rager through their small town, do a pub crawl, 12 pints, and just get blitz. But they've all grown up and have families and are tired of this asshole but they decide to go anyway out of pity and turns out their small town's been taken over by alien robots and they're the only ones who are human beings, but they're too drunk to do anything about it. It is fucking hilarious, but it also takes a sharp left towards the end and really talks about depression and being stuck in your own life and not knowing what to do next. And, you know, peaking in high school reminds me of some people I know, some close people. And yeah. it, was, it was just like, it, it got in my head and I'm like, towards the end, I'm like crying for the guy. It's a, it's a great journey and, you know, cyclical, like all of Edgar Wright's films, very brilliantly written, hilarious cast, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Martin Freeman, uh, Patty Considine, Bill Nighy plays like the head of the alien network. It's, it's great. And just an awesome watch. Great soundtrack, hilarious uh, throwbacks throughout. One I constantly go back to. Yeah. Hilarious, hilarious movie. But also, like you said, has these kind of cool genre bender moments and, I, I, I yeah, I'll just never forget just just Simon Pegg, just the way he's dressed in this movie and the way he just kind of carries himself and the whole like, kind of pub crawl aspect of it is great. So if you want some, you know, British, good British banter and good British comedy, this is a great place to go. Edgar Wright's our first uh, first got to pop up here twice. On, on the, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, this a lot. I saw this in theaters. This is one of the ones I saw for four dollars at uh, Cinemark uh, College Station. I can't. I saw in theaters, too. It must have been with Jeremy. Um, because hmm. I remember he he's a huge fan of you know of the Cornetto stuff and loves Simon Pegg. Um, I just can't. It must have been with him and someone else. You know, I don't know. And I can't remember what theater it was, but I remember just laughing my ass off and having a good time. Uh, at that point, I would have been 13, 13, 18. So yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Ten years ago, that's crazy. Yeah, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you got to put that on there, Connor. And uh, I, I agree with you. I think that just doesn't count, you know, as far as franchise. You know, uh, it's it's too it's Edgar Wright's like too creative for that. So I, I love that pick. Um, my number nine. This is one I had a hard time. I wanted to, you know, there's a year, uh, 2019. There's three movies from this year that I like. Kind of, they're all kind of an equal playing field. I love them all. I wanted to choose one of them just to like kind of save other spots for other stuff. Um, and I knew you guys were going to go a certain way. So I was like, okay, I'll kind of, I'll kind of, you know, zig, I'll, I'll zag. And I, I went with uh, the one that kind of hits me home the hardest and that's waves. Um, Trey, Trey Edward Schultz's film, a 24, just kind of classic, like fun, you know, uh, cool soundtrack. But then you like get into the movie and you're like, Oh Jesus Christ, this is really, really rough. Uh, you get an, 
all time all time work from Sterling K. Brown in this movie as the dad. Um, his his kids are Taylor Russell, who's I think destined for absolute greatness. Uh, Kelvin Harrison, you could say the same about him. Alexa Demi's awesome in this movie. Lucas Hedges is awesome in this movie. Uh, it just feels like it's kind of made for me. You know, it's just right up my alley. Very serious at times. Very lean, leaning on its cinematography, leaning on kind of its creative decisions, uh, and leaning on that soundtrack heavily, which happens to be stuff that I really like. ASAP Rocky and Tully the Creator and Tame Impala. And um, I've I've read every negative review you can possibly read about this movie just because I kind of want to understand. Any movie I love this much, I want to understand like why people have a problem with it. And, and I'll be honest, this is one that I, I understand people who do have a problem with it, but I still, it kind of makes me hold it tighter. And uh, I really think this got missed by, uh, but I, w- I don't want to say kind of the award season, the award circuit, but I do think it just deserved a lot more kind of recognition and shout outs, especially for Sterling K. Brown, man. He just is something else in this movie. So I had to have it on my list. It's, too important to me and and it's yeah, i need to have this one it's it's one of those two i saw it in theaters by myself uh Brianna was quite angry about uh, <laughs> about that <laughs> it was just it was a time where i was I, I have to fucking see this movie because um uh shout out to sean Fennessy. he he talked about how it's like one of the most moving movies he's seen in the past 10 years i was like oh well if, if that guy's saying it then I, I need to see this movie and he was he was right it was me and one other lady in the theater at, I, I saw it at embassy uh, here in san antonio uh and after I saw it, I was like, I need to own this movie. I need to show everybody this movie that I, that, that will like listen to me. And I remember going to, I think at the time was our Adam, our dad's apartment. And like, we watched it with you mm-hmm. uh, and you were, you were kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I think this is pretty good. And, and Brianna watched it. And now what well, anytime it's on Showtime a lot, cause it's a 24 and they have a deal with them. Well, anytime it's on, doesn't matter like where it's at. It's become kind of this opposite rewatchable where I'm kind of like, oh, like what dark part, <laughs> what like weird twisted part are we at in the movie now where I'm kind of going to be like brought back to life and just sucked into this movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it going to be Lucas Hedges kind of trying to talk to Taylor Russell? Is it going to be Kelvin Harrison's like big, big moment in the middle of the movie? Uh, you just you just like kind of never know. And I've I've seen this movie so many times for being only around for four years. So lo- love this one. And, and I. I know you guys are going to talk about 2019 later, so <laughs> so I'll leave <laughs> it at that. Indeed, yeah, no, this is really good. I remember that day you you kind of showed it to us, and yeah, it's it's moving. I mean, it's really moving. Um, yeah, really hard to watch at times, and definitely makes you think. I think that's 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 probably the thing that stands out the most. Is it? Yeah, maybe maybe think a lot. Um, and Sterling K. Brown has that like gritted teeth, like emotional like um thing where he like that he like does with his face and just like I where it's just like it, it's almost like scary. You know, it's like. Like he's on the verge of just like coming unglued or he's on the verge of like yelling at someone or he's on the verge of just like having this, you know, like euphoria. Uh, I, he, you can't ever tell, um, but he's he's really, really good in this movie. He's, yeah, the standout guy, I think. Yeah, and Connor, uh, I know I pushed and pushed and pushed and you finally watched it. And I think you also liked it too. <laughs> yeah, you're one of the few people whose recommendations I will get to pretty quickly when they, when you, when they come around. Um, and yeah, I, I got this through Netflix in the mail, the discs, when I was still doing that. And uh, watched it and was just like glued because I was like, this is a lot of trauma. And it was just like, fuck. But I got it. I was like, I see what he sees in this. And I'm glad you told me to watch it. And I'm excited to watch it again. Yeah, doing an episode on it's going to be tough. But also it'll be, it'll be a great chance to kind of talk about kind of 
kind of modern A24 and talk about just kind of like the, the marketing that they use. I can't wait to have those conversations and, and talk about the cast. That's going to be really cool. Uh, yeah, I'm stoked for it. So, uh, good shit. So we've gotten through our nines here. Adam eight. Number eight. Uh, I, you know, this has a oh. sequel, but it's, I, I certainly wouldn't call it a franchise. So I, I, I thought it was fair to, uh, to include this one. Um, yeah. what good. And, and it's just so fucking good. <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, and this this would be a uh, 2015's Sicario, uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve, uh, starring Josh Brolin, Emily Blunt, Benicio del Toro as kind of the main people. Uh, we have John Bernthal showing up here. We have Dino Kaluuya showing up here. Uh, those two guys always, always, always make everything better. Um, yeah, I, like a gripping, gripping movie. There, there's multiple scenes in this that are just like, like the scene uh, at the border. Uh, oh. that, yeah, I don't want to say more. I mean, you guys not seen it. Uh, is like an all timer. It's like the way they shot it, how it's done. Uh, huge fan of Denny Villeneuve. There was, there was, he was one of the only guys that almost broke the multiple movies in the top 10 for. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we, we can talk about that because neither of Connor or I have, have any of his movies. But I would say that I think he had the best decade of anybody. Yeah. There's like four or five that are like, wow. I mean, yeah, that are, I guess four yeah, that, are, that are really, really good. Pr- prisoners enemy in the same fucking year yep sicario arrival like, arrival yeah man and then he and then you know of course he goes on to do dune but like jesus yeah. christ you know uh yeah. blade runner blade runner 2049 like man yep. I, I i don't know the dude was just like on a he, he's on a different level during that decade uh if you're into that stuff <laughs> uh, I, i'm not gonna say that for everybody but if you're like into like brooding like dark just like crazy tones really cool cinematography from like deacons is is the guy he works with the most here in that decade. If you're into that stuff, like he's the man. Yeah, excellent score, excellent score in this movie too. So movies like this that are a little more kind of intense, like these, these are these. This is like I don't know, like what would you what would you call Sicario? Like I guess, like I don't know, like what uh, what, like, what like genre would it fall under? <laughs> like like a, like a crime thriller? I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is frightening at times. So yeah, uh, there's a thriller aspect to it, which is probably my favorite genre of movie. Like I think the ones that really make me kind of like. Yeah, that kind of gripping, like almost like stressful, um, like Uncut Gems is one that I, I love. That was not quite, didn't quite, didn't quite make my top 10. <laughs> um, but that feeling, I love that feeling. Um, yeah, like, me too. Like I love obviously the, the, the original kind of three Bourne movies and that kind of like a uh, little bit of intrigue, a little bit of like, I, it's not even about like solving the movie though. Like if there's ever like that aspect of it, it's like just kind of letting it like walk over me as I, as I go into this world. And, and mood setting is a huge deal for me. And Denny Villeneuve is like a master at that. So Yes. Um, this, this was a no-brainer. This is this is one I had to have on my list. Yeah, love it. Great pick. Connor, what do you think of Sicario? I love movies that feel like they're going to happen with or without you. Like, oh, you're just, oh, I love that. You're glimpsing yeah. in a world that's just in its own head, that's happening independent of a viewer. And Sicario feels like that. You're just along for the ride. Yep. I hated the marketing of Sicario. It was, it was, the trailer yes. made it look like, like another Bourne movie. Like and kind of and almost like kind of broy. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like people like you know freshmen are going to have this up in their like the poster up in their dorm room. Yes. And then I watched it and I was just like, holy shit! I've never seen anything like this. This is yeah. like a bomb about to explode at all times. And I love. It. I'm so glad you picked it because now we get to do it, yeah, um, dude. Yeah. I haven't oh. seen Sicario in years. I've I've thought about it. I'm like, should I watch Sicario? And then I get caught up with something. I was going to include it in my thesis, but I had to cut it. And ah, oh, this is great. Good, good choice. I, I hate it. 
So I'm I'm, I'm glad I didn't was... hate the sequel. I mean, it's it's nowhere near as good as Cigar. I didn't I didn't hate it. There's some good stuff there. Um, but yeah, it 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 dealt it goes a little too far away from kind of the original mood setting. I thought that 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 villain was so good at. So um, yeah, I I was like I remember I saw it in theaters. I was like okay, you know that was fine. But I was like that was nowhere near as good as, as the first one. So um, no, that this this again you know, one I had to have. <laughs> well, if I'm not mistaken, it's it's directed by. Uh... Can I remember the person's name? But not having Denny is like, whoa. No, it's uh, Stefano Salima. There we go. Yeah, it's just like, oh, uh, it's written by Taylor Sheridan. You know, like, yep. give 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 the guy his flowers. She's great. Yep. But yep. Uh, you still have to have someone like at the helm that just understands that the, the tone we're going for. I would have I would have loved if it was just left alone. Sicario, just standalone, yeah. uh, standalone film. It, yeah, I, I remember seeing this in theaters. Like, like, I still remember kind of the images and just kind of being like, like you guys said, just that. I love the way you put that, Connor. That it's gonna happen with with or without you. Like fuck you. Uh, I I still remember like Josh Brolin like in flip flops walking in. Just, I'm just like, oh Jesus! Like what's yeah. this guy been through? You know. Oh, uh, and Benicio del Toro. Yikes! You know. And this is my uh, favorite Emily. And my favorite Emily Blunt performance. Yeah, I was about to say sure. we have to talk about Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt action star. A plus. A plus. A plus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No doubt. I can't wait to see kind of the next phase of her career. I'm like super super stoked about her. But uh. Man, yeah, this is going well. Adam, you just alluded to the movie that Connor has next. Let's hear it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uncut Gems. <laughs> Love it. This is one of my absolute favorite theater experiences I ever had. It oh, was, uh, yeah. I went to the uh, Regal Northwoods in, in uh, San Antonio. I've never and... heard that in the same sentence. Uh, favorite movie experience, Regal Northwoods on 281-1604. <laughs> Never heard that, but hey, shit. <laughs> it was if if you if you have ever been if you're if you live in San Antonio, you know that place. Oh yep. boy, yeah, yep. it is what it is. If I can't get it at Draft House, I'll go there. But, I'll go. I'll I'll go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I've been to Northwoods, and and everyone who's like, you want to go there? I'm like, still still a big screen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They have popcorn in a big screen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was sold out. I had. Like I was able to get one, like the last seat, and it was between two older couples who I don't think were, you know, they weren't like they didn't know each other. The movie comes on, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, this is strange, but I'm into it. And I start hearing angry grumbling of like, oh, that's all right. Adam Sandler on the they saw Adam Sandler on the poster and was like, ooh, I liked grown ups. Let's go see this. And <laughs> They walked out. Both couples yeah. walked out. I had the whole like four seat row to myself. People walked out of mine too. Like it was amazing. I've never seen that before. Just people be like, oh my God, and just leave. <laughs> it was it was a movie that had it, a, like a visceral effect on everybody. It's uh, so fucking anxiety ridden, but yeah. Uh, which I, is I, why it's so good. Uh, I, I I just watched this like two weeks ago for fun. And I'm I, I, every time I'm just like, ugh, like. There, there's this this movie adam like is literally made for us <laughs> like, like it's got i mean it's I the safety bro- the safety brothers who are like obsessed with a lot of things we're obsessed with it's got kevin fucking garnett in it and and lakeith stanfield and adam sandler like are you yeah. kidding me like and, and then to see connor when you sent me your list and you had it on there i was like fuck yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah. i i knew i wasn't gonna have it. it just doesn't quite reach that even though i'm obsessed with it and, and adam sent me his list and i was like Thank you, Connor. Thank you. you can't. You came to bat for us. Uh, so I, I, I'm so glad you you responded to this movie the same way we did, Connor. Even though 
you might not be obsessed with Kevin Garnett. Like it, it, it <laughs> proves that he's, it proves that he's that good at, at his job in the movie. If yeah. you're not like, if you're not like well aware of like what he did in the 2012 playoffs. Yeah. I had no idea who he was. Yeah. I, so I didn't crazy. know. Yeah. Who's I, that I seven was, foot monster. <laughs> I was just enjoying this, you know, thriller of a man making the worst decisions one on top of the other constantly and just fucking over everybody, including himself. And I love that the movie sets up things to happen and then takes you in a completely different direction. That still makes sense. I, I love that. The, the movie is a freaking labyrinth. And at the end of it, you're just like, fuck, that was wild, but I get it. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's both a, it's both an advertising uh, advertisement for gambling and an advertisement to never, ever, ever, ever gamble for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, Man, the level of like addiction and just that kind of that that need like and, and that's why that's why it uses KG so well because like that he's like this obsessive just like I gotta win I gotta win I gotta win yeah. like how how they like use like both athletics and like gambling as like their like they're like kind of twin tracks of like but they're both just crazy competitive you know like that's like that's like really the thing that binds them um and that's like what makes it so fun yeah I, like a lot of people walked out of mind and I, I have friends that have watched it either whether at home or, or that I told to go see it in the theaters and they're like ah you know. A little too stressful for me and i'm like dude that that's the point i was like that's why it's so good it's like it's like it makes you just like feel like the entire time like you're just like on on edge like the score is just this pounding you know like i mean it's it's, it's like this un you know like this like unwinding like and then winding back up like the entire time like I, I i loved it like i've only seen it once since then i watched it once at home um and i would like to watch it again so if we're gonna do an episode about it yeah i'm definitely definitely oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i i this is one of the ones that i i just put on i like if i want to feel something <laughs> you know like just fucking inject that shit into my veins it's just the best I, and i'm i'm so obsessed with gambling movies and and the the whole kind of sound design of this movie is like my favorite part because i've heard a lot of complaints of like the stressful part of it or just kind of like oh like why do we care about this guy uh why do we care about anything yeah. <laughs> it, it's the sound design when people are talking over each other and there's the phones ringing and then this person ding, ding, ding. And the doorbell is ringing over and over. Like, come on, let me in. KG's stuck. Cause the door won't, won't open. Like yeah. those, mo those moments are very hard to put to the screen. Yeah. And pe people will just kind of dismissed that aspect of it. Like, Oh, I just couldn't tell what was going on. It's like that. That's what would happen if you were there. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they kind of nailed that aspect of it is what makes me love this movie so much and it very much reminds me of kind of like old uh altman movies from the 70s that that deal with like gambling and addiction and just obsessive nature and talking over each other uh i, I just I, I love this movie to death so great love that you picked it connor i had no idea i knew you liked it i didn't know you loved it yeah neither did i really i was uh <laughs> it took a few watches but i was like this is special this is something this showed me a side of adam sandler i had never seen before Correct. It's it's his it's like his best work, right? Like this punch drunk love, you know, like it just kind of taps into something really special. Um, you guys, you and Josh did an episode on this like what a couple years ago? Yeah, we did. Uh we were trying a different way to pick movies and Josh selected uncut gems and we did a whole thing on it, and that was uh that's the last time I watched it. Okay, mm. so yeah, perfect. Let's definitely do an episode on all three of us and we'll we'll have a blast. Um yeah, that's that's so awesome. I, I love talking about that movie. Uh, my my number eight is uh, finally bringing up my boy, my boy PTA here, uh, 2014's Inherent Vice. Probably the weirdest movie of, that I've seen from the decade, uh, adapted from Thomas Pynchon's novel. Uh, I've read that. It's also very confusing. That's just kind of the style writer he is. This is, this is one of those things 
and this is one of my favorite things about PTA, is I don't need to understand every little aspect of what's going on. It just it just happens, and this is like a sun-washed California 1970s dream, this movie. It's it's incredible how, how, they, how they made this movie, and, and you get uh, some really, really special stuff from Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, really cool decision from him, really cool partnership, obviously. A couple years before, they made a made a little movie called The Master, um, and I, I I just I'm obsessed with Inherent Vice. I think it's fantastic. It's his most underrated movie by by a mile, in my opinion, uh, and and I think it's kind of gotten to this place now. If you look on Letterbox, it's very divisive, but the people who love it fucking love it. You know, five stars, like this is the greatest thing ever, and there's the people who are like, like he's just up his own ass, you know. Uh, PTA, that's like that's like the go-to thing for people who don't like him, uh, his haters, and I kind of understand both sides, but I love him, so I'm I'm of course going to kind of stand in his camp. Uh, the coolest part of this movie is the cinematography, uh, the partnership between Paul Thomas Anderson and Robert Elswit, the guy he kind of used the most or has used the most. This movie looks fucking amazing. Great soundtrack, great performances. It's as if. Everyone involved was like, hey, let's do the best, most fun work we've ever done in our lives. And they all did it on the same time. Uh, so I had to have this on my list. This is this is definitely uh, one of those I'll, I'll always kind of go to, go to bat for. So uh, when's the last time you guys saw this? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, when I first saw Inherent Vice, uh, I saw it with Caleb at, uh, at Draft House, I think Lake Line near his old house when he was living over there. Nice. And I, we both fucking hated it. Like <laughs> aggressively, we wasted our money, kind of hated it. Um, we did, however, like we started yelling Muto Panikeko at each other because of Josh yeah. Brolin. I did love yeah. that. Um, I didn't give it a second thought until we did an episode. I think it was the master on old Oscar Sunday. And um, I wanted to watch, um, all of PTA's films I hadn't watched yet. And so I decided to give Inherent Vice another shot. And I only got like half an hour into it. And then I'd run out of time. But what I would, I was into it. So I know I'm going to like it this time. So I'm, I'm glad you picked it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember you talking about that. Uh, it, it definitely takes a couple of viewings. The first time I saw it was in theaters. Uh, and, you know, we were, night, we, we were 19, right? Uh, Connor and I. And it definitely went like way, way over my head. But I was like, this is fun. Like, it looks really cool. And the soundtrack is really, really neat. Anytime you put Neil Young in a movie, you you, you kind of have me. But now now when I watch it, it's more just like, oh, my God. Like, Thanos is, e- <laughs> Thanos is eating like a whole bunch of marijuana right now. <laughs> you know, Josh Brolin, big, his Bigfoot character, along with Doc, uh, Joaquin's character, just kind of the, the weird chemistry they have but also this rivalry that they have is so cool and kind of kind of a thing that that you know pta is really really good at is having kind of two people who kind of need each other you know kind of kind of the way like it happens in boogie nights for sure where you have you know mark Wahlberg. uh he he needs a lot of people in that movie you could go with amber waves you know you could go with different people in that movie like he kind of like needs to lean on but also is like totally bad for him you know uh, I, I like love that he does that a lot. You know, um, there will be blood. You know, you got father son. They need each other, but also they do not need each other. <laughs> they're you know they're like totally toxic. So I, I love that he kind of does that. He does it the weirdest way in Inherent Vice. So um, you know, Phantom Thread he does it really well. 
licorice pizza. He does it really well. I love that kind of weird tandem thing that he does in his movies. And this is the most unique. Yeah. So I, I've seen this a couple of times. I saw it in theaters and, and yeah, liked it, but I was like, okay, you know, it's not, not my favorite of his, his movies by any means. Uh, and then liked it even more the second time. I want, I want a quick shout out. So Austin, both of our number eights have Benicio del Toro and Josh Brolin in them. Uh, just, Let's go. Interesting. Um, the, the characters names in this movie. So Maya Rudolph, yeah. PTA's wife plays Petunia yeah. Leeway. Uh, Benicio del Toro's character is Sancho Smilax Esquire. Uh, like you said, Josh Brolin is Bigfoot. Walking Phoenix is Doc. Owen Wilson is Coy Harlingen. Uh, yeah, Eric Roberts. He's, he's so funny in this movie. <laughs> Eric Roberts is Michael Z. Wolfman, and then uh, Martin Dew plays Doctor Buddy Tubeside. <laughs> like what? I mean, what I mean yeah, there? Michael K. Williams is in this fucking movie. Like what? Like you yeah, know, it's just yeah, insane. Yeah. Ka- and then Catherine Waterston, she's got like a really subtle, like really good performance in this as Shasta Fay. Yeah, um, Shasta Fay Hepworth. <laughs> yeah, crazy cool name. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. movie rocks. So I could talk about it all day. Um, here we go, number sevens, Adam. Okay, I won't spend a ton of time on this one. This one is, is okay. slightly complex because there's there's a um, I don't know technicality that I got it in on. So it's uh, OJ Made in America, which is a mm. documentary. It was technically released as a series on ESPN um, in 2016. Uh, I think it was in five parts, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and but then it was it was nominated for and then won um, an Oscar for best documentary of the of the of the year. So it's seven hours and forty seven minutes. So it's very very <laughs> long. Uh, like I said, released in five parts on TV. Um, uh, honestly, it's like stunning piece of like work. Like it, like it, uh, it, yeah. It's it's the like scope of it is massive. So it's called OJ Made in America. So people are like, oh, you know, it's about OJ Simpson, but it is like it. It basically delves into like everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I mean, pri- primarily it uses OJ Made in America and the and the like the kind of intersection of like the OJ chase, the trial, all that stuff, the verdict in particular to tell the story of both like athletes in America, race in America, um, how like the Los Angeles riots in the early nineties led to, uh, you know, possibly led to the verdict, but then also why people didn't really care like that the verdict was the way, what, what it was and how, like when you tell things from a different perspective, they can mean like, so something completely different than if you told it from like a, a different perspective. Um, it, it's, it's crazy. Like, I, like, I don't know, Connor, have you seen it? I have not because seven hours is it's no it's so long it's so long yeah uh, but but uh, I watched it in five parts with my mom like I was actually recovering from knee surgery I had a crate I blew up my knee playing basketball um, when it was being released and we would watch like the episodes as it would come out and like it was crazy to watch it with her because you know she's she's approaching it from a different perspective than I am like she'd watch the chase on TV like when it happened and and uh, you know was aware of the trial and um, also like him as a football star because like you know her her parents were huge like Dallas Cowboys fans so she was like oh I watch OJ Simpson all the time you know. Um, he would, he would, he, he was obviously incredibly good. Um, and then, and like what he became afterwards and like, yeah, the, the, the race relation stuff is like, obviously the, the, the thing, um, here that's like that, like, um, the, yeah, the topic that Ezra Edelman kind of really wanted to tackle. Um, and yeah. just, he just used, he just used, used, uh, OJ Simpson as like, as like the vehicle for that. Um, it, yeah, I, I felt a little weird putting it on cause like it basically was kind of a TV, like mini series, but it, it did you know, both get nominated and win an Oscar. So I thought it, it's fair. It was the best documentary I saw all decade. Um, might be the best documentary I've, I've ever seen. So uh, that's why I wanted to put it on. I, I, I would echo that. I, th- I, I, don't, I don't know if it's like my, it's not like my favorite documentary, right? Because it's like, dude, oof, seven hours of the grueling, grueling stuff. But it is, I, I don't know if this is insane to say. It might be like the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I remember watching it also, like I would get home from work 
when it was coming out. I think it was coming out. I think it came out Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Monday, if I'm not mistaken. I remember kind of they would do like two nights in a row. So you get like part one, part two, part three, part four. And then part five was like on the last week, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's how they did it. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I remember calling you after every episode and being like, holy fuck. Like Ezra Edelman, who's someone we already kind of liked because of his sports work. We were just like, the dude has totally outdone himself. Like, this is unreal. The amount of footage, the amount of uh, crazy interviews they get, the just the balls to go into some of the stuff they go into. Uh, yeah, Connor, I know I know it's long, but if you break it up. Yeah, break it up. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, 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 like I'm telling you, man, this, like, it will, it will alter the way you think. Like, it is just, it is that, that good, that important. So, I, I, I'm... I'm also hesitant like to like include it on a list like this, but I'm so glad it's here for, for the reasons that we get to just kind of like shine a light on it again. You know, uh, it's seven years old already and just deserves all the praise it gets. Okay. Yeah. Also, I have it right here. So it was, it was Friday was a part one and then Monday was part two and then Tuesday, Thursday, uh, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was parts, you know, two, three, oh. five. So it was, yeah, oh. back, back, back like that. Yeah. So it was June 11th or June 18th and in 2016. So yeah, that's exactly when I was at, yeah, like I said, I was recovering from knee surgery. I was watching, uh, the euros during the day and then watching this at night. Yeah. Um, and the NBA finals were right around that time too. And I caught yeah. NBA finals. Um, so, um, yeah, I basically was glued to the TV the entire time I was recovering <laughs> from that knee surgery. And I thankfully had a lot of good stuff to watch. Yeah, man. Yes. Yeah, great stuff. Connor, Connor, definitely find some time. <laughs> yeah. My <laughs> highest recommendation for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, now it's going to be an episode, so I definitely gonna have well, to Well, yeah. That's that's a tough one because like if we're yeah. like picking picking awards for it is like ee, you know yeah. uh, <laughs> no we don't need to do it as an episode uh, yeah we really don't it's uh um and that, if you knock that out that would give us an even twenty five for this like project yeah it makes sense so yeah, well, yeah. No, for it, the sake it, of personal completion I will watch it okay yeah I like it I like it yeah give it yeah I'd say watch it over like three you know three spans or something right like three over three nights yeah. or, or whatever um. I'm not sure what it's on at the moment. Um, ESPN Plus has it. Yeah, so it might be. Yeah, like okay. Hulu. Hulu might have it. Yeah, I was gonna say Hulu might because they got yeah. that deal. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, dude. Oh, Jesus, great stuff. Uh, not getting much lighter here with uh, Connor's next pick. Um, this is this is one that I know is very important to you. Go ahead. Um. So back when we did an episode on, what was it? it it might have been a, a sneak preview on like I don't fuck on one of our old shows we were doing a Pixar movie. Luca. And it was was that it, it was Luke because we did the top yeah okay I remember that it was Luca um, with Brianna yeah yes and we had a moment of like what you picked it too huh yeah. um, <laughs> and I decided to watch all of the Pixar films I get to see because I figured you know if we're gonna do top five Pixar I got homework to do and I watched Coco for the first time. And I have never cried harder at a movie. That film destroyed me on a personal level. I was bawling alone in my apartment, just watching this beautiful story of family. And it immediately became maybe my favorite Pixar. It, it's the only thing that's come close to eclipsing Toy Story. It is fantastic. It's a beautiful movie. I've watched it three or four times now. I, it never fails to, to break me. I cry every time. It's brilliantly written. It's beautifully filmed. It's great representation. It is just everything. It's it's perfect. It might be Pixar's masterpiece. I'm I'm consistently blown away every time. I I encourage anybody out there with a heart to watch Coco and challenge yourself not to 
not to shed a tear. Yeah, I think Inside Out and Coco is kind of them being like, hold my fucking beer. Um, like we're we're gonna outdo ourselves completely. Uh, you th- you thought Toy Story and a Bug's Life was good? <laughs> yeah, you know, fuck you. Uh, Coco, yeah, complete masterpiece. Um, that moment was really cool because Brianna had no idea. You had no idea that y'all both adored it so much. I knew, but y'all didn't know. And it was a really cool moment because I I could see y'all kind of like leveled up as far as like just connecting as human beings. And that, that's kind of why we do this stuff, right? So, goddamn, great movie. We did it um, not too, too long ago. And we we did a really, really cool project on the Coco episode where we did a Pixar character Hall of Fame. And we picked, I think, 24 characters because they've done, at the time, Turning Red had just come out. So we, we, they had 24 movies. And we just kind of went went back and forth picking characters. And it was like such a blast. And then we gave, gave awards out to Coco. So to do that again will be, will be sweet. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I don't have a ton to add to Coco. Coco is wonderful. I cried in the theater. Um, yeah, the, the songs are beautiful. The visuals are incredible. Um, yeah. Austin, I saw it with uh, Brandon and Laura in theaters. Actually, nice, um, nice. Yeah, yeah, it was really random. But yeah, it was like it was like I think it came out came out around Thanksgiving, if I remember correctly. So yes, it did. Um, uh, yeah, Connor, I remember you didn't see this in theaters because you and I. This is around. Well, let me think. Yeah, this is around when we met. Yeah. Well, I just didn't. The trailer did, with Pixar, it was like I had I was going probably through this like I'll randomly go through phases or I don't anymore. But at the time I was like, it's a kid's movie. I don't need to see it. Yeah. And I don't do that anymore. Thank God. Yeah. At the time, <laughs> I was like, nah, I don't need to see it. And then when I watched it on my own, I was like, you fucking idiot. Why didn't you go see it? <laughs> you've uh, you've matured. You've matured so much that you you now see kid movies. That's, that's it, the way. It's it is all art. Art is a wide spectrum. I totally agree. It knows no age. Oh, I totally agree. <laughs> I I, one of like my pet peeves is when people like exclude a genre when they're like quote unquote you know movie fans and they're like I don't watch animated movies I'm like Oof. <laughs> I'm gonna have a hard time talking to you because that's like where Hollywood like lives <laughs> you know it's like it, it's like it needs animated movies it needs kids movies it needs movies that connect families uh, to like to last and to actually have some kind of um respectability right you know like coco is such a respectable film because of what it does and what it connects and you know connor i thought you'd go into this a little bit maybe you will now coco is kind of it has like a certain amount of importance because of its uh latino pride uh and yeah Yeah. the way the way it just kind of was like ah this is the first pixar movie that really went that route you know so I just think that's that's huge, you know, when a movie does that, and it's also really good, and also at times really fucking funny, uh, and and tear jerking, and has great you know vocal performances. That's really really special. Well, I was able to include Coco in my master's thesis Ugh. as an example of a reclamation of stereotypes, and I had to fight one of my advisors on that because he sees it as a stereotype, a detrimental stereotype movie that like encourages the wrong kind of stereotypes. And I'm like, well, I don't think so. So I had to kind of really fight to put (laughs) that in there. And I'm glad I did because I will stand by Coco as an example of proper representation and just a good way to learn about Mexican culture and Chicano culture in a way that, you know, you might not be able to with other films. Yeah. Oh man. Good shit. I knew you were gonna have this. Is one of the ones where I was like, uh, he's he's gonna have. I thought it might be a little higher, <laughs> to be honest. I knew, I knew this was coming. So good shit. Can't wait to talk about it again. Uh, my next one, my number seven is also an animated movie. Um, any guesses? 
Hmm. <laughs> I'm racking. I'm racking my brain. Um, can you give us like a like a? It's not Pixar. Nope. It's the the kind of the outlier. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I don't even know his guess. Can you give us maybe one of the voices? Uh, well, that's that's kind of the my favorite. Probably my favorite thing about it is is its insane voice cast. Um, let's see: Timothy Oliphant, Alfred Molina, Ned Beatty, Bill Nye, Stephen Root. Oh fuck! Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, Rango. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay okay uh yeah rango rango is one of the first movies i thought of where i was like i want to have an animated movie this is the one that i just i i, I have so much fun with gore verbinski this is what he always wanted to do he only made parts of the caribbean so they could make enough money to be like fuck you i'm doing my my passion project i'm making rango i'm making an animated satire western thriller action movie that's got some of those beautiful animation i've ever seen and dare i say the most incredible voice cast of all time. I mean, you go deep down the list and you got Harry Dean Stanton's on there. Like, what? Oh, it's like got people who are now gone that, that are dead that aren't with us anymore who are we're just absolute legends. Uh, the Ned Beatty playing the mayor, basically kind of playing uh, a specific character from the movie Chinatown from 1974 is so cool. All the Clint Eastwood stuff is fucking incredible. I'm just, I'm in love with this movie. We did an episode on it. I don't know. feels like a year and a half ago now. Uh, and I was just, you know, going nuts during that episode. It was a blast. So I'm glad Connor could, you know, kind of handle my my intensity. Uh, but I think, uh, I think, I think I'm ready to do this one again and kind of find a way to maybe do something fun with the episode. Th these movies that we've already done before, I want to do something kind of different with them. Maybe like add a top five to it, add some kind of draft to it. Uh, and I think Rango, we can find something cool to do. Yeah, Rango was a film I had not seen. Uh, I'd heard about it. I'm glad you picked it. It ended up being just a blast. Uh, a film very much, you know, for more for parents than for kids, I think. You know, the constant yeah, references yeah. to, you know, Chinatown and fear and loathing in Las Vegas and smoking cigarettes. Like, like, yeah, there's like there's like little animals smoking in it. Uh, yeah. PG movie. Yeah, it's a Western and it's a badass yeah. Western and it's fun. It's like, you know, what Shark Tale should have been. It's got a similar plot. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, neat. I should have guessed. <laughs> yeah, Rango. You know, you know me, man. Uh, this is this is this is hard too because 2011. I was like, holy fuck! You know, I can say it actually. I cannot believe none of us have Moneyball on our list. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's like my like number like twelve. Like I, it, it yeah, barely missed the cut. I uh, yeah, deliberately I, left it off because I was I, sure one of you was gonna have it and we were gonna be <laughs> fine. Oh my god. Yeah, I I, I kind of was like, oh, like 2011. You know, I was I was choosing between fucking rango the tree of life and moneyball and i was like rango baby oh thank god <laughs> yeah i couldn't do that i couldn't do that to you man i couldn't make you watch it you would have done it with one of your brothers i would have sat that out <laughs> i would have done it by myself just like uh like i'm sean penn talking to myself yeah i thought Austin. i thought you might when you before you said the, the cast i thought you might go zootopia as you're animated Oh yeah, I love Zootopia. Willow loves that one. And Willow so does too. Yeah, that's why I've seen it yeah. like a hundred times. Yeah, Willow doesn't quite understand Rango, but uh, that's yeah. that's okay. <laughs> she does love. She loves Coco. Willow like totally responds to Coco and Inside Out. She's seen a few times. So uh, Pixar just just has that that element. But Rango is like a fucking Nickelodeon animated movie, uh, and is is yeah. We haven't even talked about Johnny Depp because he's not the easiest guy to talk about. But what what a performance in this movie. My favorite thing he's ever done.
this and probably Sweeney Todd. Hmm. That is interesting. That could be the angle we take with the Rango episodes, like a top five Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah, like we won't talk about him, just his movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good shit. All right, so we're through our sevens. Uh, that took a wild turn from OJ Bain America to Coco and Rango. Um, Adam, I'm going to let you, I'm going to make you hold off on your number six because it's, yeah, it's, a, little, I think it's it, a little, yeah. it's a little higher on my list. Uh, yeah. So that's, this is our, this is our first overlap. So Connor, we're going to move to your number six, which neither of us have. And I, I, this was, this is my number 11. This is the one I had the hardest time cutting out because it's my favorite Tarantino movie of the decade. This is, I was sure this was going to be overlapped, huh? Okay. It's just me. Well, I bet, um, no, I barely missed the cut too. Yeah. I uh, yeah. Bunch of goddamn hippies. Um, <laughs> once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. It's, glad you had it. Really glad yeah. you had it. This is just a blast. You know, Quentin Tarantino's vision of 1969 Los Angeles. Could it be any better? And, you know, I love the revisionist history with the Manson family and just the adventures of, you know, Rick fucking Dalton and Cliff Booth just driving through LA, getting into all sorts of acting shenanigans. Uh, it's great. And it's fun. And it's one of my most uh, memorable theater experiences with you, Austin, uh, because we had just yeah. finished our Roman Polanski big episode on Filmgasm. And this felt like almost like a an epilogue or like a dessert for that, where we got to just kind of bask in all of this knowledge we had and just enjoy the ride and what a ride it was. Ugh, yeah, this movie fucking rocks, man. Uh, it's yeah, this one in Waves of the Two from 2019 that I, I feel like I'll just take to the grave with me. I'm obsessed with this one. And and it's been four years now, right? Like, it's enough time where I'm, I'm kind of like, is this, like, his best movie? <laughs> like, you know, it's, like, reached that territory of kind of, like, I think Bastards is 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 definitely his best from, from the decade before. And, of course, you know, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir, Jackie Brown, those are all great from the 90s. There's just something about the just the the kind of tenacity that he that, that that he has and then he's kind of able to harness it with once upon a time but also have a crazy crazy violent ending kind of signature stuff uh and and the, my, my favorite thing my favorite fact about this movie is and adam we were just talking talking about our buddy uh marty about this because he was kind of like he had watched it for the first time and he was like huh i feel like i need to see it again and it's like yeah it has that power you know it's like well you're gonna well, come you're gonna come back yeah, about halfway through it, he was like, "Yeah, I'm not really feeling it." And by then, he goes, "Okay, okay, okay." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it, it. The coolest part is recreating 1969. You know, you could when you're Tarantino, you can you kind of you're one of the people who who has that ability to be like, "Hey, give me give me a legit budget. I'm gonna do what I want. No one's gonna touch it. No one's gonna make any cuts. I have final cut. I have final say." There's like ten people who can actually do that, and he's one of them. And instead of kind of taking the easy way out. Uh, you know, like a typical, especially nowadays, like a typical 2010s, 2020s movie has, you know, a significant amount of VFX shots. And especially when they go back and, you know, recreate a certain place in time, like a like a 1969 Hollywood. And there are 75 in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. In 2019, there was an average of like 800 to 1,000 in movies. <laughs> like, holy shit. So everything that you see the signs, the billboards, you know, all, all this stuff on the side of the road when they're driving uh, is, is like real. It's practical. It's like real. It's like real stuff he built. He got built. He got painted. Um, he convinced like dozens and dozens of businesses and, uh, you know, in certain like West Hollywood areas to 
to go back to what their businesses looked like in 1969. And when the movie was done being shot, the businesses were like, this is actually like helping our, our, our business and bringing more customers. And that is like, that is so cool. So it goes beyond what's on the screen with once upon a time in Hollywood. It, go, it goes to just kind of the, just the, the myth, the, the man, the myth, the legend that is Tarantino. Yeah, absolutely. And it is just, I love that he continually tops himself. He's like one of the few filmmakers who keeps making his masterpiece again. Not for again. long. Not for long. Yeah. We only get one more, but it's going to mm-hmm. be fucking beautiful. We, we know it's going to be great. Yeah. yeah. I, he's going to do TV though. Yeah. Oh yeah. And books and yeah. 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 He's written a couple novels already. I've got both of them. I'm excited to finally have an opportunity to read them now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that movie, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, that movie's fantastic. It's, I, I, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's so much, it's so much fun. Yeah. Rick, yeah. Rick fucking Dalton. And, and it's Leo's best performance. Yeah. Uh, um, my number six, uh, is going to come to no surprise here. It's my only documentary. It's mine in the gap from 2018. Yeah. I knew you had uh, that. Yep. Yeah. This is, this is, this is pretty near and dear to my heart. Um, just, just like shatters me, uh, like right from the very beginning, uh, being lose, like incredible direction. This is a story that like literally only he could tell. Uh, it's so, the vision is like so singular and so, uh, so American, you know, these, these three guys that we were following Kira Johnson still follow the dude on Instagram. Love that guy. He's kind of like, he's kind of like made it in skating and his music. And I'm just like, I like cry every time I'm like, Oh, this dude's like really successful. That's so sick. Uh, Bing Lu uh, and Zach Mulligan. Um, these, these three dudes, you know, I could, I could watch this documentary just like every week and be moved in different ways. Uh, it's like an hour and a half, very, very, very smooth ride. Not just cause it's, you know, skateboarding movie, but, because it's just so well done for someone who was like 18, 19 years old when they were kind of forming it and cutting it and whatnot. So, and being, being Lou has gone on now to just like be a proper like cinematographer and cameraman for TV shows and movies. And that's so cool. Uh, the other guy, Zach has not had such an easy, uh, easy go. And he is fascinating to watch in this, in this documentary. Uh, you, you're like rooting for him. You're also like, fucking against him at times uh but but man you're moved you know there's just there's no way you're human and you're not moved by this movie so i'm obsessed with it easily my favorite my favorite doc from from the decade best is kind of a different different question but it's one that i'll go back to i have the criterion on my shelf right right outside my living room so um this is this is one of those things i'll just again take to my grave yeah i remember you uh you were really pushing for this one when we were doing Oscar Sunday. And initially, you know, when we started that show, I was pushing back on documentaries and uh, I'm glad I wised up because this was quite a watch and quite an engaging look into a subculture that I never really gave much thought to. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I figured this was going to be on here. We, this is one we're going to revisit and um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what I get out of it this time. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Sure. I, yeah, I'll, I watched it, Austin on your recommendation, and uh, and yeah, really, really enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, it definitely takes you into into a world and kind of plops you in there and like yeah, lets you kind of feel it. There's there's all kinds of like stuff outside of skating. Obviously, there's like you know real life stuff, but there's the kind of uh, relationship between you know uh, like second generation immigrants and their parents, and yeah, you know, I mean, like there's all kinds of stuff in there that's like really kind of poignant. So 
Um, no, a really good pick. And I, I knew it was going to be on your list. I, I, I tried to predict a few because Austin, our dad asked, he's like, what do you think Austin will have? And I, I predicted a few. I, I've gotten a couple wrong so far, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I knew you'd have this one on there. So not, not a surprise. That's good, good shit. There's a specific moment that you like that documentaries like live for. Um, it happened in the, the doc from last year that won the Oscar Navalny. Mm. Uh, there's like a moment in Money in the Gap that like happens in real time where you're like, holy fuck, like between Bing Lu and his mother. And it just kind of like, whoa, like and being being gets this like obviously this like heartbreaking, heartbreaking moment, but also this kind of therapy to like move on with his life, kind of move past it. Right. Uh, and it is. Oh, it's like one of the most gut wrenching but kind of like, you know, life altering moments of, of any movie I've seen from the 2010. So uh, I, I when docs get that moment, you're like, oh, boy, <laughs> like this, it's going to it's going to, you know, it's going to fucking rattle the stars. Right. So uh, and, and OJ Main America has like 45 of those. So, so, <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Good, good shit. Um, I think we should take a small break here before we get into our top fives. Okay, let's see. Uh, Adam, your number five is a bit higher on Connor's list. So let's skip that for a moment. Uh, Connor, we get to have a pretty pretty cool moment here. Our number fives are the same. <laughs> Thank God. Take it get away. Some, get some horror in this house. Uh, <laughs> this might be the most frightening movie of the decade. Uh, one of the most frightening movies ever made. Uh, t- 2018, Hereditary. This thing is... Every time Slaps. I watch this, I'm like, maybe this time I won't have nightmares. And that's not happened yet. This thing is amazing. It's a drama. It's a horror. It's a performance piece. It is everything a film should be. And I got to see this because at the time at Draft House, you let me go early because you were like, he needs to see this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I went and saw it by myself. And was just like horrified because the trailer did not do the film justice. The trailer makes it seem like a possession movie and it kind of is, but it is very much something else. And about 25 minutes into the movie when, you know, it happens. Yeah. (laughs) The movie's different now. You're like, oh, okay. Wow. This is new. Uh, Leading to one of the most gut-wrenchingly realistic scenes of, of shock I've ever seen in a movie. And I almost can't watch that part because it's too damn haunting. Uh, but yeah, this is just, it stands the test of time. It's going to go down as one of the greatest horror films of all time. And I have so much personal memory attached to it. As soon as it was over, the lady sitting in front of me went, that was some fucked up shit. And I was like, <laughs> right. <laughs> then I had to walk to my car at night alone, thinking payment was going to fuck me up in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Uh, man, this is, this is a perfect horror movie. Like just perfect, quintessential, and uh, the best of the decade for me, like by a landslide, when it comes to that genre, and also just just right up my alley. Weird ass, uh, weird ass score, crazy cinematography. Uh, somehow the house that this family lives in, Tony Collette, uh, Gabrielle Byrne, Alex Wolf, and Millie Shapiro, the house they live in is almost like it's almost like you're watching The Shining, where just like the way it moves and kind of like the map of it is constantly kind of keeping you on your toes. Uh, Anne Dowd is one of the all-time villains of, of the 2010s. She is frightening in this movie. Oh, Louie, Louie, Louie. 
know, uh, I'm, I'm like head over heels for this movie. Absolutely obsessed. And it's one of those things where uh, I, I've probably seen it too many times. Like I've become desensitized, but I can't, I cannot help it. I just can't help it. I, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I saw it at a employee screening uh, when we were working at draft house and pretty, pretty good crowd. Right. Uh, I mean, like a lot of people went to see it and everybody was just kind of like almost laughing because you like, that's your uh, defense mechanism when you watch something yeah, like that. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you, at the end, like I remember uh, uh, Connor, you remember Brett, uh, like one of the yeah. goofiest dudes of all time. Like when the movie ended, he just like turned around and looked at me and was like, well, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like, well, like, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, now it's one in the morning and like, I, I don't want to go home. I don't want to, I certainly don't want to drive home in the middle of the night uh, after watching that movie. So I, I remember I saw it's like two of my like best friends in the world, uh, Grant and Kelly. And we just kind of stayed up and we're just kind of like, man, every now and again, you get this. You get this feeling that you just saw something really unique, really special, and it might be around for like a hundred years. And I, I, I think that's the case with this one. So I knew Connor would have it. I knew I would have it. I'm super glad we put it like at the exact same spot. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I watched this. I'm not a, a massive you know horror guy, as you guys know, but uh, I watched this on on Austin's recommendation. Saw it in theaters. Ended up going and seeing it with um, with Dad. I did. Yes, it, I it came was and like sat later. next to y'all a few times, just kind of like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a little bit later in its run. It wasn't like the opening weekend or anything. Um, so our, our theater wasn't like packed or whatever. But yeah, no, I, I want to say it was like in the afternoon too, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, Perfect. Yeah, so it's just like, yeah, you walk outside and you're just like, it's like disorienting. It's like, oh, it's sunlight, but I just saw something very dark. So I'm like, what do and I then, do? What do, I and, do then what is he, and then what does he do a year later? Oh, it's some bar. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So no, I, it's great. It's it's absolutely fantastic horror movie. Um, I knew you guys would have it. So I'm glad, glad I made the list. Yeah, it's, it's the... Um... It's the only like true blue horror movie that that's represented here, uh, which well, at the risk of insulting Caleb and Josh, it's kind of the only one that deserves to be here. Uh, I, I, for me, I agree. There's nothing else that sticks out like, oh, my God, that's something I'm going to live with forever, you know. But I, I, that's not, you know, I feel the same way about like purebred comedies from the 2010s. You know, I, I love Everybody Wants Some. I love uh, like another movie I thought about was Bridesmaids. I'm obsessed with that one. But there's not like 10 comedies from the 2010s where i'm like oh i'm really thinking about that for my list well hereditary i think the fact that every time i watch it it still freaks me the fuck out and makes me like think about the world differently and start seeing things that's power that is a power very few horror films have yeah and i that's special that's that makes it stick out to me yeah adam adam does have a a horror movie later but it is uh like very you know it's yeah, it's different. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Um, let's see. So Hereditary is my number five and Connor's number five. Now, uh, Adam and Connor, y'all have the same number four. Should I just go ahead? Let's hear it. Okay. Uh, it's 2014's The Grand Budapest Hotel. Hey! Hands off my lobby boy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, an absolutely hilarious movie that has that every time you watch it, it gets funnier and funnier. You notice little things. I think it's Wes Anderson's best movie overall. Kind of yeah. like... It's like yeah. it's like his his apex mountain, if you will. Um, and the cast, the cast. If you if you allow me, if you'll allow me. Um, okay, Ray Fiennes, F. Murray Abraham, Matthew Almerich, Adrian Brody, William Defoe, Jeff Goldblum, Harvey Keitel, Jude Law, Bill Murray, Edward Norton, Saoirse Ronan, Jason Schwartzman, Leah Sadu, Tilda Swinton, Tom Wilkinson, Owen Wilson, Tony Revolori, Larry Pine, Florian Lucas, Carl Markovitz. I can keep going. Bob Balaban, Fisher Stevens. I mean, it's just like an absolute who's who of Wes Anderson people um, introducing. Um, 
Tony Revolari as Zero, and he is awesome in this movie as the kind of like second main character to Ray Fiennes' Mr. Gustav. Um, absolutely hilarious movie, and I'm really glad you have it on here, Connor. Oh, I fucking adore this movie. This is this was an instant favorite. The first time I watched this, I was just like, this yeah. is, I could no not questions. stop laughing. Yeah. It yeah. looks incredible. The amount of detail Wes Anderson put into this movie, like printing like fake news stories in the fake newspaper that you can barely see in the movie yeah. anyway. It just, it just, you feel a real vibrant world on the screen. I, I had seen prior to watching this, I had only seen The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. And at that, I didn't really care about Wes Anderson at the time. This movie made me give a shit about Wes Anderson. Then I was like, all right, I got to see what else this guy's done. This, this is beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll put it on just for kicks. Just if I need a laugh, I'll throw on the the Grand Budapest Hotel. It's so great. My favorite Ray Fine's performance. Uh, it's incredible and a great rewatchable. Just yeah, just just like one you can just pop on anytime. It's a brisk hour and thirty nine minutes. Um, it's yeah, it's just it's kind of perfect. The score is incredible. Yep. Um, yeah, hot. it's yeah. Well, he packs so much into that hour forty. Like there's so much plot. Yes, and it's it's all engaging. It's all intriguing. It's all funny. The, the random bits of swearing just work every time. It's so you know. It's, oh shit, you got him! Like so great. Yeah. I, speaking of speaking of the random bits of swearing, so on the on the quotes section on IMDb, I love this like the first one that pops up. Uh, it's Mr. Gustav. You see, there are still faint glimmers of civilization left in this barbaric slaughterhouse that was once known as humanity. Indeed, that's what we provide in our own modest, humble, insignificant. Oh fuck it! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, uh, of course. You know, I'm probably the biggest Wes Anderson fan of all three of us, but I I, I don't know I. I love this movie to death and we've talked about it. We did an episode on it. We talked about it like very highly when we did our uh, Birdman episode, we were talking about 2014, like the Oscar race. And I was kind of like, this is, this is one of the best movies from 2014. Uh, and, and is aimlessly rewatchable. So funny, so accessible. Never, it, there's never really a dull moment. You know, there's never really a time where you're like, ah, like, why are we going to this character? You know, uh, where Wes Anderson movies do have those moments. You do have some times where you're like, ah, I would have gone here instead of there. Budapest always takes the right turn. Like, always. Every time. My favorite stuff is Adrian Brody as Dimitri. <laughs> He's just such a dick. Like, I love I love him and Gustav's kind of, their banter and how Gu- Dimitri's just like uh, like homophobic. He's <laughs> just like calling him calling him crazy names and, and uh, slurs and stuff. I-, I love that shit. I love when he's like this criminal has plagued my family for nearly 20 years. He's a ruthless adventurer and a con artist who preys on mentally feeble, sick old ladies, and he probably fucks them too. <laughs> and then Gustav says, I go to sleep with all my friends, go to bed with all my friends. <laughs> so good. Uh, like, uh, always oh, random. Like, after he uses the slur, he's like, Well, how am I supposed to, how's that supposed to make me feel? <laughs> uh, this has been a complete fucking nightmare. He's <laughs> just losing his mind. Ray finds not up. For best actor is like yeah, it's absurd. Where where were you? Like the movie was up for like ten Oscars. Like that's the one you're gonna like. Get, you're gonna die on that hill. Like not putting him up for best actor. Like fuck off. You know, uh, crazy stuff. It's his best work. So uh, this is a great movie. I, I when I saw y'all both had it, I was like hell yeah. Like <laughs> and y'all had it the exact same slot. Really cool. Well, yeah. I mean, you 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 picked the the serious Anderson. We picked the funny Anderson. Yeah, PTA and, and Wes definitely have a interesting, yeah, their 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 careers are quite different. 
you know, you know, I'm I'm actually now looking for. I don't know why I've never never thought of this until now. Uh, I want to find a boy with apple, uh, like painting. That'd be such a funny thing to have, like just like in your like yeah, like you know what I mean. Oh, I want yeah. the yeah. one that they put like the uh the decoy painting of like the weird like whatever's going on with like the weird tits. If I remember, <laughs> I want I want that painting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. Does this movie fucking rocks? So obviously we will be doing a kick-ass episode on that yes. in the future, and uh, we'll we'll get anybody we can get on board for that one. <laughs> the same way they did with the actual cast. Um, let's see. My number four, Adam, is later on yours. So let's see. We're gonna go to Adam's number three. Okay. Um, I am the only one with this. Is that correct? Correct. But man, do I love this movie. Okay. Uh, that is 2013's Her. Uh, mm. the, the Joaquin Phoenix led Spike Jones directed story um, of a man falling in love with an operating system, <laughs> which on the surface yeah. sounds like completely ridiculous. Uh, but another, another, I think you, you're seeing a theme with, with a lot of the, the, the movies I'm picking another one that, that just like creates a world and kind of drops you into it and, and a mood um, and kind of keeps you there. Super emotional. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is I'm, I'm like, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is an amazing talent. I do. I do get a little bit like, there's something I buck against a little bit with the like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what there's something about him that, that uh, just a little bit. I, I'm with you. Post Joker yeah. was like, Oh God damn it. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. kind of, there's kind of this, like this, like, I, I don't even know what the word is. Like this kind of self-serious, like, um, like, you know, this is my method and everyone else kind of like, you know, be damned like that. I, I don't really like love that element of it, but he is a fantastic actor and he is so good in this movie. Um, he's able to, Kind of like, I mean, obviously play this guy who's like a smart guy, like a thoughtful guy, but, but, is, you know, seemingly a little bit down on his luck, who, who kind of like is empathetic to the world, but also like, you know, like kind of wants to feel stuff too. And I, I mean, he, he, uh, he, yeah, he, he embodies this like kind of lonely, like 21st century. Um, I mean, he, he could be a standard for, I, I guess, a, a man, you know, or a woman, um, any person, um, trying to find love. Uh, he writes these, what, what is his job? He writes like basically like greeting cards or like, um, birthday cards like for people essentially like that's like a, a job in the future um i also think there's the genius of this movie is how spike jones creates the like kind of like not so distant future um like really like nails a couple of things like you know it was like basically created the airpods like before the airpods and like, yeah, yeah, and, like how yeah. we kind of like um are constantly tuned into things um he makes la look al- almost like um like a, like a city in like you know japan or china you know like um yeah. as we've kind of like you know we've, we've shifted into kind of that um Side of things. I mean, I, yeah, it's it's really well done. I mean, the cast is great. Scarlett Johansson voice, voices Samantha, the operating system, um, and and you know, obviously, you know, as a voice performer, was was is fantastic. Amy Adams is really good in it. Rooney Mara, which I believe that's oh, yeah. where they met, is it not? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Walking Phoenix and Rooney Mara, and they're now married, or I guess they're partners. Um, so yeah, it's it's really really good. Uh, obviously, I know you guys have seen it and um and enjoyed it as well. But yeah, it, it it had to be on there for me. Yeah, this is the movie I went to bat for when we did our. Uh... We did our 12 Years a Slave episode, 2013 Best Picture Showdown, and I chose her to win Best Picture because I, th- I thought it was the strongest movie from that year. Uh, that one and Inside Lewin Davis, I think, are the two best movies from 2013 that I've seen. And uh, I, yeah, I just think it's incredibly moving. And my favorite thing that I've ever heard about her was uh, Adam, your, your, one of your great friends, Matt, who's become a good friend of mine, said, I think it's my favorite piece of art. <laughs> <laughs> just just her just her the movie like he could have picked an album or like a painting and he was like just her like that movie just moved me a lot i i, I love that about you know about movies that it kind of connects us and 
it gives me memories of certain things. And I always thought that was a really cool quote, just like really just very simply put, but very like a very important statement to make, you know, and I can see why I can see why someone or, or people would uh, attack, you know, attach themselves to this movie. And I, I understand why you have it at number three. I think it's, I think it's an absolute must see. So good stuff. Yeah. Connor, Connor, what's your relationship to her these days? Um, I've only seen it one time, uh, very early on when Caleb and I started the website, I, we watched it as like, you know, to beef up content on the site. I didn't yeah. in, intend to watch it. I thought the premise was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I watched it and I'm like, wow, this is a very touching love story. I, I was very impressed. It's one I've always wanted to revisit and I'm glad I now have a, a reason. Yeah. That'd yeah, be cool. You know, you know, I, I do, I do find it like very sad. You know, I mean, I think, I think the like the obviously the premise is like absurd. You know, really like, you know, like they're thinking about. It. But I think yeah. it is something that has almost become, you know, ten years on, like more important as like the AI like craze. You know, it's like gets like you know more and more kind of like blurring the lines of like reality and and, and fiction. Um, I I think it's almost like more important now than it was you know, even ten years ago. And I think that's one of the geniuses of the movie is like again Spike Jones almost like kind of um, predicting. Uh, this future and and i i'm you know i'm one who's like look like obviously you can kind of like have a relationship with with anything that you kind of you know create or or, or is it created um but like it, it's very sad that like that this is even a possibility that we that we would even have like the discussions like well like is it okay for someone to like you know fall in love with an operating system it's like obviously the movie does such a good job of like telling that story but in in in, in the end when you like step back you're like oh that's like honestly that's completely absurd like 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 true kind of emotional maturity would be his ability to move on from previous relationships that have failed and still find a way to trust a future partner mm. like like mm. that that's that's like that's like the real sadness in the movie is that like there there are people who probably left that with kind of like i, I think the wrong impression of like oh this, yeah. like, this movie is saying like this is okay to kind of like um have this like artificial artificial like love life essentially you know um and it's like no i i disagree with that and i think the movie is, is saying like no this is we shouldn't really be doing this like we should kind of trust people whether it's like a, just a just a very traditional kind of like marriage or not it's like with any person in your life um we should have these like real tactile like relationships that like are like we're both in it like on the same level because like there's not one of us that's like i mean because you know essentially what happens in the movie is like this operating system is like kind of able to have these like meaningful relationships with like multiple people uh, yeah and it's like that's not really like you know i mean i'm veering into territory where i'm sure there's gonna be somebody listening to it. it's like well actually technically you could have you know that with multiple people it's like that's not really what i'm what i'm saying um to not do that like um i'm not saying like the only way forward is like just like you know the very like traditional like nuclear family at all that's not what i'm saying at all um but i do think like with something completely artificial like completely like kind of man-made to think that that's like you're gonna get the same satisfaction um in a relationship with that as you would like another human being is like quite sad and i think that's the movie's like actually saying that but I do think some people probably took it like as like, oh, no, like this is OK, too, you know, um, and I, I don't think that's actually what it's saying. So um, it's very sad. It's very like poignant. It's touching. And there's also some like really beautiful moments. I think that's the genius of how well um, Scarlett Johansson voices the operating system is like, you're like, OK, <laughs> like, you know, and, and then maybe our relationship, because we know it's Scarlett Johansson, like, you know, who she is a performer. Obviously, she's like, you know, for, for like, I mean, you know, obviously anyone of a certain age, like I mean, she's like an incredibly beautiful actress. So it's like you you, you almost carry that with you um in the like oh i could like see myself on love with, like someone with this voice or whatever um it, yeah that's like really the, the the casting of that is really genius i think because it, it like it like forces you to think about things like on a, on a second layer as well uh it's yeah it's like a really like kind of out there movie really genius but you, if you kind of give yourself over to it i think you can learn a lot about yourself and i think like human beings in general yep oh yeah yeah well said uh yeah i think i think for those reasons well i think the the biggest point you made is 
10 years later, it might be more applicable. It is more applicable and, and, and important. Unfortunately, kind of, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. With, with dating sites and, and, and catfishes and ghosting and all, all these different new terms for like social media and like the way we operate as, as individuals and how hard it is to like become vulnerable. Uh, it, you know, it's, yeah, it's definitely damaging. So yeah, well said. I, I can't wait to revisit this movie. Uh, hopefully in, hopefully in a couple months. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, let's see. That was your number three. Connor's number three is Adam's number five. So go ahead and go ahead and take it away. Yeah. Uh, only foreign film. Only foreign film. And uh, yeah, my, uh, only, yeah, my, yeah. my yeah. only winner, my only best picture winner. Parasite. <laughs> yeah. Love it. I mean, love it. Yeah. God, what more could I say about Parasite? Yeah. What do yeah, What do you? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, just, it's I, good. <laughs> this in my number one film, I feel like I've gushed more about than any anything else this this is a film that pretty much changed the way i look at film on a global scale it is such an incredible genre bender it's everything every genre combined into one beautiful haunting freaky story about class and struggle in korea and it's every time i watch this i'm in awe of bong joon ho's talents as a filmmaker as a writer as a director and just constantly like further intrigued by the, the class struggle of South Korea and how different it is. It's like the fucking Greek gods of Olympus and the peasants in the dirt. It's that different. Um, and I just, I think it's a brilliant film. I'm so glad it won best picture set a great precedent for the future and is one of my favorite films of the decade by a lot. And, and it barely, yeah. it barely made the made the cut for this decade. It, made, it came out in like I, you know, in the yeah. US, I think around October, November of 2019. So I mean, it barely made the cut, um, but but it did, and I'm really glad it did. Also, we saw it, I think, on my birthday together. With, with yeah, with we've the, we, yeah. I, I've told this story before because yeah. it connects it connects all three of us. Uh, yeah, you, me, and, and Dad watched it on your uh, like on your birthday, November 9th, yeah. uh, 2019, mm-hmm. and on the way home because I was driving. Mm, I can't remember where I was at that time. I can't, I can't remember, but I called Connor and I was like, holy fuck. Like that was, yeah. Cause we, we had heard like the initial wave of like the early fall. Like people were like, go see this movie. This is like, really this, good. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah. this new neon Bong Joon-ho movie, this, you know, this Korean movie is, is really good. And uh, like all these podcasts that you and I listen to Adam that we kind of connect on. And we were both like, all right, well, like, when we get some time, we'll, we'll go see that. And even, even dad who like definitely doesn't go out, out of his you know way to watch movies like this was like, holy hell. Like, I was just a, like it put me in a trance, and I called Connor. I was like, "Dude, this this like this is gonna like do some damage. Like this movie's gonna like be up for Oscars. It might win some stuff." I had no idea it was gonna do what it did. But then on that amazing, the greatest Oscar night in history, we were also all three together. We were at, we were. at Connor's uh, Connor's grandparents' house, and when Parasite was named as the Best Picture winner, I mean, I cheered as if my team won the NBA championship. Yeah, like, yeah, it was cool. Just such a huge, huge moment, monumental moment, the coolest best picture winner of all time. So this had this this had to be on on a couple lists, right? It's uh so it's Adam's number five, Connor's number three. Um like well Connor, easy easy five star movie here. Yeah, no question. Yeah. I, Con- Connor, I think you 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 hit a key point there with um it it opened up I think not just obviously like you know, 
ours, but like it opened a lot of people's eyes to the world of like yeah, foreign film. I think there's there's people. I think uh, you know Austin, our dad is a perfect example. Like he watches tons of foreign stuff now because of yeah. like he yeah. was like uh, I don't want to watch it as subtitles. It's like that classic you know kind of boomer like like thing. Um, obviously you know I love her dad, but yeah, he has that he has that kind of like he had that mentality, and I think not anymore. Was almost the tipping point. It's like you know, I'll I'll, I'll see him, and it's like he, the last five shows he's watched are all foreign. It's like that, you know. There there really was this like, oh okay, like this. It, it opened up a whole different world. I didn't necessarily have that, you know, that like you know starkly, but um, but I wasn't like racing out to see you know Korean you know movies like that. But yeah, yeah, Connor, it made this movie made me both want to live in Korea and never want to go to Korea. <laughs> it's like like at the same time, <laughs> yeah. it's like like because of different elements of the movie, it's like, obviously it, it portrays it with like a loving, you know, detail. Um, I think at times, and then at times the, it, it portrays the the class element of it with this like real distaste and, and, and disgust really. Um, it's yeah. It, talk about setting a mood. I mean, if that, again, if that's the theme of, of my list, my goodness, this is, this is an ultimate mood setter. It's yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I've only seen it once since the theater. Um, I almost want to like not watch it that often. Cause like, I want to kind of cherish that very first initial viewing. Yeah. Um, it's one yeah. of those ones that like as great as it is, I like, I almost like I almost it needs to be like this perfect moment. Like I need to kind of clear a night for it and you know, maybe watch it with a couple of people. Um, that's like the, the next few times I'll see it. But yeah, I have only seen it once since theater, but it was an amazing theater experience, one I'll never forget. Yeah, for sure. And it has the it has it has two two like genre defining bending moments that I, I just I just think is like just such a master class. And that would be when uh Moon Guang comes back to the house, the kind of uh uh like you know, maid that gets that they like get fired when she comes back to the house and it's raining and she just looks scary as fuck. And you see her, you know, uh, you see her kind of like putting her, her hands to one part of the wall and her legs to the other, like trying to push this thing to like get to another part of the house. You're like, what, what is this movie now? And then at the end, when we do find out what is behind that wall and is connected to her turns into a slasher movie and you're like what i i just was completely blown away i was better than i anticipated i had a hard time leaving off my list but again i wanted to kind of try to pick one of those 2019 movies once upon a time parasite or waves because those are the ones that have stuck with me the most and uh i went with waves but god parasites so good and we just did an episode not that long ago connor on, on parasite yeah it was great and i'm you know I'm, I'm more than happy to go go back in. It's, yeah, it's a it's a mind bender in a world I do not mind visiting. I love. I've seen most of Bong Joon Ho's films now, and every single one I've seen deals with this this crazy class struggle of his home country. It's clearly a big, a really important subject that he likes to approach. He he, I don't think he's ever going to describe it better than he did with Parasite. Mm. Mm, yeah, love, 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 love the way you put that. Oh yeah, I'm a big, big fan. The host will always be my favorite of his movies, but his best is, is probably Parasite <laughs> or Memories of Murder. That's a great movie too. Uh, all right, my number three is Adam's number six. Um, this is this is for a while like my favorite movie of all time, uh, and it's always kind of been in the upper echelon of like where I think about movies and what I think is. What I think is like good because it taught me a lot and also just like just an absolute clinic of filmmaking. And that's 2016's Moonlight. Uh, two best picture winners back to back here. I love yeah, that. How about that? Yeah. Uh, the two most important best picture winners of all time. You got the foreign one and then you got the one that's like a complete black cast written by written by two black men directed by a black man. And uh, just a masterclass across the board. Um, Herschel Ali, Janelle Monet, of course, doing like really cool stuff in this movie. And then everyone that plays Chiron through all three uh, ways. And then everyone who plays Kevin in all three uh, kind of, you know, it's like a triptych movie. Uh, 
everyone's just just money just like cash money and naomi harris god bless uh one of the best performances i've seen in my life it's just kind of a, this is just a showcase movie of just just powerful writing powerful performing and uh teaching you about someone's life that you you need because like this is part of the point of storytelling and filmmaking and 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 sharing stuff is oh I've never been in Miami around um, a black kid who lives in uh, the projects and is struggling with his sexual identity and has to go through that kind of on his own because his mom's addicted to crack. And uh, there's all these layers to it of just like, wow, I've never dealt with anything close to that. And so like for that to be displayed on screen, so like with such, such a vulnerability and such a like skill as a filmmaker, uh, Barry Jenkins, it's just really, really vital in my opinion to someone who's trying to grow and like use movies as like a way to kind of have stepping stones of growing and learning. Uh, I think it's a must see. So I, I love this movie to death and Adam, I was really happy you had it too. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was a clear uh, top tenner for me. Uh, five star movie. Yeah. I, I think, I think it just, it just, um, it's handled with such care, you know, I, I think yeah. that's like the biggest thing yeah. is like, you know, Barry Jenkins obviously um, put so much care into this and, and, and that kind of a signature of his is just like, the the lingering on faces and just like yep. the faces in this movie are just like yeah you just like it's you can't forget them i mean it's like the colors the faces the setting um absolutely beautiful really beautiful movie so yeah it, it was a must-have for me yeah i yeah i find myself this is like the reason part of the reason i have it so high on my list is like it's one of those kind of just like tough tough watches that i find myself wanting to take like wanting to go down that road because not only do I do I like respond to like oh wow this is like teaching me something. I mean there is just some like unbelievable filmmaking in this movie from uh, like the the beginning when um, sh- like little little Chiron you know they call him like like little just little black they call him little and then black and then Chiron it's like his three three little names when little is kind of running away from these kids who are trying to chase him. I mean it goes from like a verite style like handheld camera to moments of like whoa it's like the scope of, of this shot to like to like a roger deacon's level shot of the beach you know uh just like that those decisions to kind of be like so many movies in one as far as like a style and uh i, I just i just love that so much so i i kind of watch it almost as a like a study on like this is how you do this properly this is how you make like adam said a like careful careful movie that is saying a lot so I, I i love it can't wait to do another episode on it we did it a long long time ago i think it was episode 35 of uh oscar sunday that was, a, that was a long long time ago like coming up on like two and a half three years damn yeah <laughs> and it'll be nice to not have to watch you know eight other movies to company with it uh yeah 2016 there are some good movies from that year but I, i'm with you like i yeah i don't want to watch them all <laughs> <laughs> like i, I like I, I really you know like for what it is like la la land's fun you know i manchester by the sea is kind of like whoo that's a tough one but i like it uh you know i'm not like racing to watch lion again you know but i i do like most of the movies from that year i just yeah it's those those showdowns were were work <laughs> they were i'm proud of all of them but they were me work. too me too uh so yeah when we do moonlight it'll be more about just kind of you know the, the film itself and the production of it and how it got made. So can't wait to do that. All right, here we go. This is great. We all have different number twos and then our number ones are going to be like real interesting as far as connections and whatnot. So 
Adam, you start with your number two. Connor, I was I was a little little bit shook that you didn't have this. So Adam, take it away. Uh, number two is Jordan Peele's Get Out uh, for me, 2017. Um, yeah, I uh, do we? Yeah, awesome. We saw this in St. Louis together, right? Yes, we did. Uh, yes, with we Isaiah did. and yeah, our youngest brother and and our our dad. Uh, they were come, they were visiting, and uh, wow, never ever ever forget this movie theater experience. Nope. I mean, it, was, it was packed. I do remember it was like completely packed, and the place was just like, yeah, I I don't, I don't even like, up know. for it. Just fucking yes, up, up for it. it. <laughs> up for yeah. it. Up for it. Up for it. Yeah, I mean this this movie has given us so many memes, so many like little like bits of lingo, like the sunken place um daniel kaluuya introduced himself i mean he, you know obviously we'd seen him in a couple other things and um for most notably for me at least was uh was black mirror but uh um, yeah yeah he he introduced himself as a star of this movie we get lakeith stanfield uh we get bradley bradley whitford an absolutely hilarious performance uh we get allison williams in kind of an underrated role she kind of has to, like hold i agree the movie together and i think she does a pretty good job um i i actually love the show girls and uh i thought she was like you know a decent part of that i mean her character is very annoying in girls but um i think she's a decent actress uh Catherine keener um excellent oh, excellent, excellent as yeah. missy armitage so um and then caleb landry jones really random as the as yeah. the brother uh so yeah really good cast but uh, the, what makes this movie is Jordan Peele's direction and total creativity um, in, in, I mean, I get, yeah, I mean, it's horror. It's a horror movie, I guess. I should, I should, yeah, have, like, said it, it like, is. But I, yeah. I don't want to like just give that away, but it's like, it's like so much more than a horror movie, you know? You yeah, know? yeah. 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 I mean, it has so many ideas about like just so many different things. I mean, you know, I, you know, race being kind of the, the prime one, race relations in America being kind of the, the prime one. Uh, the one talking about Lorel in a uh, in a bit of a who's now in like everything, but uh, in a, yeah. a bit of a breakout role for him as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say about Get Out. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love everybody in this movie, but probably my favorite moment of the movie is is Betty Gabriel. No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Ugh, it's just like spine tingling. I heard someone say about Get Out. That was like the most genius thing I've heard about Get Out is. You like if you're like a horror fan or like a thrill seeker, like you like to watch movies that are gonna like kind of make you grip your chair. Uh, Get Out was one of those where it was like, oh wow, like I I didn't I didn't know I could feel that way or get scared that way. Like I thought I had seen it all, you know. You like watch these kinds of movies over and over, and you just Get Out's one of the ones. It's kind of like a a trendsetter of just oh, like you can do that. And for Jordan Peele to like, this is his directorial debut. Like, holy, holy shit! You know, uh, incredible, incredible film. I'm glad we get to talk about it. Uh, we did an episode on this a long time ago too with uh, with Caleb, and uh, that was a blast because we got to kind of talk about um, Get Out. What was it a long time ago? It was like last July. It was when Nope came out, and we got to talk about Get Out, Us, and Nope, and just kind of like the trifecta of, of Jordan Peele so far and the the connection of comedy timing to horror timing and how like it's so clear like why jordan peele is so good at this because he just has his timing down so so well uh get out while it's not on my list i do think it's like one of the five like best movies of the decade most important so good shout very funny too it's very funny yeah yeah yeah, Yeah. and plays with plays with like the audience's like like idea of like you know police relations too because like obviously there's a scene you know close to the end where it's like you know, cop car pulls it up and it's like, oh, God, here we go. You know, if you're watching it with a certain, you know, critical eye, uh, you're like, oh, here we go. And then, you know, T.S. motherfucking A. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of plays with that a little bit. It's very funny. So um, might depend on where you see that for for that gag to, 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 to uh, pay off or not. Uh, but I thought it was I thought it was great. So, um, yeah, it was a must must include for me. And yeah, my number two was get out. Nice. Connor, did you think about this one? Um, It never I never considered it for my top 10. 
But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't have voted for Obama a third time if I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a great movie. It is a great movie. Um, it just, yeah, it. I do love it. Didn't quite make my list, but I am glad it was shouted out here. It is. You were right. It is a trendsetter. It. It, it evokes a, a certain like visceral primal fear that horror films don't usually go at. Horror films yeah. tend to, you know, get you in a in a way where you're like, oh, that could never happen. But mm. films like Get Out are like, no, this happens a lot. <laughs> and I mean, not you know the surgery, but the, yeah, but something something like it, yeah, yeah, the yeah the vibe happens. Yeah, and uh, it definitely proved i mean peel won an oscar for screenwriting for this and it was just like everyone was like what is this guy going to do next and he's pretty much proven himself consistently as a very interesting filmmaker with you know his three films thus far yeah. and uh i love the creativity this guy's got yeah me too man i no. the more i think about nope i've seen it three times now i'm just like that is a masterpiece like I think I think he has two. I, I I think us has like really good moments, but overall, I I don't think it quite connected the dots. But I think he has two and three already. This has got to be like one of the five most important American filmmakers that we have. So, uh, good good shit. Uh, Adam will definitely will definitely be having you on for the Get Out discussion when we do have it in the future. Uh, Connor, you're number two. Uh, you've been waiting. You've been waiting for this motherfucker. <laughs> It's the one it's Tarantino's movie that I feel like people stop talking about for some reason. And I refuse to be one of those people. Django Unchained mm. rules. <laughs> that is one of the best Westerns I've ever seen. The way this guy tackled slavery was so smart and so just fucking brutal and didn't shy away from the horrors of an entire section of our history. And we also get some great, you know, revenge fanfic with Django just mowing these motherfuckers down. <laughs> yeah. But it's also a great buddy travel movie between, you know, Django and uh, Dr. King just doing their thing. And, uh, you know, it might be my favorite Leo performance. I love Rick Dalton, but Calvin Candy is something else that is the yeah. most one of the most evil motherfuckers in movie history. You had my curiosity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ugh, he's disgusting. <laughs> Django. Ugh. What well, I love his like, you know, his fake aristocracy he's got. Like he wants to be French, but he doesn't speak French. Just uh, what an idiot. He's a moron who thinks he's a genius. And also he's, just yeah, he's, he's a sadist. He's born on third base and think he hit a thought he hit a triple, you know. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I also love the way Tarantino kind of, you know, picks and chooses uh, cowboy themes from various spaghetti westerns to craft his own soundtrack here, which pissed off Morricone to the point where he was almost like, I'm not doing the Hateful Eight. Yeah. But thankfully they worked things out. Um, I know it's a rough watch for some people. Uh, I get it. There are some brutal, unforgiving, monstrous scenes of violence in this movie. Uh, but I just, I see that as like, you know, the primer for... No, the third act where everyone gets theirs. So I'm like, we need to see that. So we hate these people even more. So it feels good when their brains get blown out. Well, it also, it also was real life. Like, yeah, 
I mean, this is this is this is what happened. Like this, the, like things like this happen. Maybe not like on every single plantation, but you know, like things like this did happen. Like this is like it, we're fooling ourselves if we think like we just want to ignore. Yeah, this this part of kind of like our history as, as Americans. And yeah, I mean, shout out Jamie Fox. I think he, he's just he's so so good in this movie. And honestly, like one of the most talented dudes like ever. Like he's just like yeah, ridiculously yeah. talented guy that's like so funny and like so, yeah, so can like can like go there emotionally. Um, also can like host a game show, but then also can sing. It's like yeah, what a, what an interesting dude. Yeah, for sure. I'm so glad Will Smith said no. Uh, it's, yeah, well, that you point out, you know, this this was history. You know, slavery was not a choice. It was not, a, you know, a transactional agreement. It was kidnapping and it was torture for hundreds of years. And yeah, yeah. this movie shows that better than any film I've ever seen that tries to tackle this subject because Tarantino uses violence to tell stories. And it just works, man. This movie, I've, I've I watch this film all the time. I've seen this. Yeah, it's, it's on my honorable mention. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, it, this, this is an excellent one. Yeah, yeah. one that I, I think is weirdly underrated somehow. It's yeah, uh, exactly. I it, it had me, it had me at hello. I was immediately like, I fucking love yeah. this, and I've never stopped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen this in a while. Uh, there's, there's definitely. I'm not going to, I don't want to, I don't think it's like the place to get into it with, you know, us three, but there's conversations I've had with, with my wife. She just does, does not like this movie. And for, for reasons that I think are justified. And I understand why there's a, there's people out there who are like, I, I don't want to watch that movie. I don't want to watch that movie made by that guy. I do remember seeing it when it first came out and being like, wow, that was just like, holy shit. You know, just the incredible, incredible feat. Of filmmaking so i'm excited to revisit it because it's been years but i i do understand the camp that's kind of like all right like we get it we get it like we get we get the violence we understand it we don't like want to go through it so i understand but i know connor you you love this movie and you love the performances you love the writing and it's it's your guy tarantino so you have once upon a time and django did you think about hateful eight no i didn't (laughs) i love hateful eight (laughs) i do yeah i do i like the hateful eight but i think it's it's a little too self-indulgent. It's too dialogue heavy. I think a lot it's of the fair. dialogue is like just repeated for, for the sake of being repeated. And it's I don't fair. think it's a great plot. So it's low. It's low on the Tarantino totem pole for me. I I, I like it a lot. I think it's like really funny. I think it's the, the thing I, I enjoy about that one the most. And the cast is so insane. Like there's the range of it. But uh, I understand that. Um, well, here we are. Number two. And we're about to get to ones. I want this to end, but it's coming coming to a close here. Uh, my my number two is is no no surprise here. It's 2012's The Master, Paul oh. Thomas Anderson. Wondering uh, when this was going to rear its head. I am a writer, a doctor, a nuclear physicist, and a theoretical philosopher. But above all, I'm a man, a hopelessly inquisitive man, just like you. Uh, this, this movie's so up its own ass. <laughs> I love I love it to death. Uh, this is this is one that uh, Adam and I saw together in theaters in College Station, and I was like, "What the fuck did we just watch?" You know, who who's this guy think he is? You know, um, I was seventeen at the time. I didn't know what, I didn't know what was going on. Right, uh, I'd probably only seen There Will Be Blood from PTA at the at the time, and then it and then it took inherent vice in 2014 for me to be like, okay, maybe I need to kind of dig into this stuff. And then uh, Adam. Myself and Jeremy watched Boogie Nights all together, probably around 2015, and that's when I was like, "All right, it's 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 go time. It's time to see everything." Heart Eight, Punch Drunk Love, you know, just just go the just go the whole bit. And uh, now I'm obsessed with him. And The Master is one of the most just like horrifying and 
just kind of uh, mesmerizing things I've ever laid my eyes upon. You're just kind of, you're kind of forced into uh, one of my favorite shots of the movie is kind of the the waves that get created from the boat that Joaquin Phoenix is on, like I, the constant ba 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 ba. That's how like, I feel. I feel that with this movie, just kind of like oh fuck, like I can't. You like can't get out of the wake, you know. You just like keep going back under the water, back under, back under. He's pulling you back in. And and now that I've seen it a handful of times and I love it, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> like PSH, uh, God bless, rest in peace, his best performance for me. Uh, that's another reason why I love it. Him and Joaquin looks like they're tandem. And like they make me laugh so hard in this movie, even when they're not trying to, you know. Uh PSH kind of like when he gets like hammered in this movie and Joaquin Phoenix, the same thing. They just kind of like a stumbling, these stumbling morons. You think they have figured they've, they think they've figured something out. Right. Uh, the whole Scientology connection is hilarious to me. I think it's like one of the most ballsy movies of the decade uh, because PTA is one of those guys who doesn't always make his money back, but he just com- always does his own original work that, that feels very signature. And uh, I, I find the master to be, uh, like extremely underrated in some circles and uh, in, other, in other circles like mine, uh, properly rated. <laughs> yeah, Austin, you know, you shouted out uh, our theater experience of it. So it was Trevor and Matt that were with us. I uh, knew Trevor was with us. I figured it was Matt too. Uh, yeah. I remember I remember all of us were just Oh, like, no, 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 no. It was, Gabe. It, was, it was Gabe. It was Gabe. Okay. Yeah, Gabe. Yeah. Gabe, I don't Gabe, think, yeah. I don't think any of us like responded to it like that yeah. first go. Uh <sighs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I would love to reach out to Gabe and be like, "Do you remember?" (laughs) I know Trevor was with us. Yeah, Trevor was definitely with us. But hundred percent, because I remember that was one of the first times I met Trevor, and I was like, "I like this guy a lot." Yeah. And even he, after the movie, he was like, kind of angry. He was kind of like, "What was that? Like, what? What? What ride did we just go on?" Uh, And that's part of like the draw to it, you know, is it takes like multiple viewings to really kind of sink your teeth in and, and start to understand what's going on, even if you don't have the big picture sense just from scene to scene. You're like, this is, this is bloody entertaining. Yeah. It's, it's grown on me since that first watch too. I think, I, th- I think I've seen it maybe three times since then. Um, and yeah, it's great. I mean, walking Venus is great. Paul Thomas. I mean, uh, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, yeah, lights I mean, out. Yeah. Gosh, I miss him so much. Um, you pig fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's wonderful. Yeah. Score is great. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's classic PTA. Um, in that, like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know like where to go with with like his kind of like like his tone and his like sense of um, like who we are as people, what we're chasing, what we're chasing after the the idea of like obsession and things like that. Uh, which yeah. is why you know, and there's another director that's coming up here soon uh, that 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 chases kind of that same thing, that like sense of obsession, like why do we do the things we do, what makes us tick, um, and yeah, it's 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 kind of like perfectly told in the master. Uh, with 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 mixed in with some really beautiful shots and and some wonderful yeah. side performances as well. Shout out Jesse Plemons. Shout out Rami Malik. Yeah, Rami Malik. Yeah, fun. yeah, side guys. So, um, yeah, I, I, love, no, I had a feeling this would be on yours. I didn't think it'd be this high, but I had a feeling this would be on yours. I, I love when Jesse Plemons, like, just kind of like you know he's making this up, right? <laughs> like as yeah. it goes, he has like that moment on the porch where he's like, "This is all horseshit." <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. every every bit of it. Or the um, uh, fuck, um, god damn it, why can't I think of her name? Uh. What won won the Oscar in 2019 for Marriage Story? Why Connor? Help me out here. Why can I not? Laura Dern. Uh, yeah, Laura Dern. Duh, the, the queen. With the the moment she has when she goes up to PSH and she's like, um, I noticed like a discrepancy here. <laughs> it's like this is the new work. 
he's just like fuck off like because anyone who questions kind of like his you know any of his decisions to like progress this thing he's just like no like i am that i am like everyone else can fuck off uh it's yeah it's it's the best it's it's also a great title for the movie the master yeah this is a this is quite a film uh just a great lesson in bullshit like the whole time see i i came at this from a a place of a complete lack of any trust or faith in in organized religion i've never thought that from the get-go i'm like yeah of course this is all horseshit i can see what he's doing i can see how he's manipulating these people it's fun to watch a movie from that perspective where you're like you're along for the ride you're in on the joke but yeah. I wonder if there are people out there who were like, didn't get, didn't like catch that part, you know, like oh, people who were like definitely. very, you know, invested in their own faith and saw this as like a, you know, oh, what a spiritual journey kind of thing. It's like, no, especially <laughs> if you're a Scientologist, it's like, you need to wake the fuck up. Um, I love that it was, you know, this was the film that broke PTA's relationship with Tom Cruise because he came to Tom Cruise first and Cruise was like, how fucking dare you? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, trying trying to work with him uh, for a second time after you know Frank T.J. Mackey and, and Magnolia, and yeah, nope, not happening ever again. No, it 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 is a cool like it's a great watch. It's a fun watch. It's just watching a man regurgitate bile between pages and just give it to people and watch them eat it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. It's brilliant. It's like everything I want. It's like, yeah, it's everything I want in a movie. And uh, yeah, I, I, I hope for that that particular episode way down the road when we do do it. I would love to get our, our other brother Jeremy on that because he's obsessed with the master. So I'd love love to get him on board for that one. Um, we've arrived. We've so arrived at number number one. What's we up? should let Connor go first, I think, because ours matches Austin. No, no. Other way around. My number four is your number one. Connor and I have the same number one. Okay, 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 okay. okay. So okay. my number four is your number one, which is maybe the best movie of the decade. Yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, you got, no, you, you got, you, oh, it's, it's right. my number one. I guess I should go. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Social Network, 2010 is The Social Network. Uh, David Fincher is The Social Network. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I thought about like not like being like kind of cute, like maybe putting something else number one and not, but it's just like I was like, no, this is number one. It's it's probably it's probably both my favorite and I think the best movie. Um, possibly like the most important movie or like most important story or most important thing um that it's talking about um for like our time. Uh kind of based off of the loosely based off of the off the book, The Accidental Billionaires. Um I mean, yeah, it's essentially based on that, but it's the story of Mark Zuckerberg creating Facebook, uh, basically, is, is what it so just five years after Facebook is created, 2005, this movie comes out. Um, and just in just those five years, it tells the story kind of like brilliantly. And then the explosion of like the kind of like social networks in general from 2010 to now um, makes this movie even more important. And then I think yep. the fact that it's directed by David Fincher, who is probably my favorite director, again, setting moods um, and the stories of like obsession and like, you know, drive and like, you know, why do we do the things we do? Um, all all is, is here heavily. And the cast is great. The score is like unbelievable. Like it, it's, yeah. it's yeah, it's just like perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, I yeah, I, I, it's just I, I've returned to this so many times. Um, I yeah. get I get why people would be like, yeah, really like the social network. Like it's just like about Facebook. It's like I just think it's about like so 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 much more than that. Um, and and it's told brilliantly, absolutely brilliantly. So yeah, yeah, awesome. I, I I can't can't agree more. Uh, 
Fincher at his best with Sorkin at his best. <laughs> like, it, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, what, what do you want? You know, it's two guys. It's like Kobe and Shaq. It's just like perfect, like this perfect, like meshing thing of like, I can do this. You can do that. Like, let's go. Hitting on all cylinders with the most underrated lead performance, probably of the decade, Jesse Eisenberg. Absolutely. So good. Light, absolutely yeah. lights out. Um, you got a really, really wacky cast, you know, from like Brenda's song to Army fucking Hammer to, you know, yeah. uh, Max Minghella, all, the, all these different people that are in this movie. Of course, Andrew Garfield has now become this massive, massive star. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've watched this movie an unhealthy amount of times. And usually I start it thinking, oh, I'm going to watch the opening, um, you know, White Stripes, you know, Ball and Biscuit with Rooney Mara and Jesse Eisenberg. I'm like, I'm going to watch that scene and then him running home. Uh, <laughs> and then I watch the whole goddamn movie. You know, it's one of those things where I, I like I cannot I get like warped into this movie when he starts kind of doing the uh, face mash thing online. He's drunk and he's blogging. And the score just like boom, 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 boom. Um, in motion, the kind of like video gamey, you know, you know that, that plays uh, while he's yes. doing kind of while he's doing the blogging. I can't count how many times I've listened to that song while driving at night and just kind of being like uh, having like an out of skin experience, you know, uh, out of body experience. Uh, this movie is fucking fantastic. So I, I, I kind of knew you would have it at one. It's not my favorite just because of like certain things that I, you know, these other three that I love, but I mean, it's my number four. And I, I just think, I just think the world of it. So many people have so many like incredible filmmakers too. Like Quentin Tarantino is like, there's no question. It's the best movie of the decade. Like a guy who's like so high on his own horse is like, fuck me. He made the coolest movie of the decade. Like, I, I think that matters. You know, I think that matters like longevity wise. I think that matters uh, artistically. And uh, yeah, I, cannot wait to do an episode on it because we've never done it connor go ahead oh yeah this is one it took me a while to get on board because when i when the trailer came out i was like why would anybody want to watch a movie about the birth of facebook does anybody give a shit and i didn't go see it and i was just like adamant like i don't care i don't want to watch this i finally watched it i don't remember why i think my uncle convinced me like dude you got to check this out and i watched it and i was like huh this is interesting. And then I just didn't think about it again. And then I met Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he kept talking about it. He just kept saying like, dude, it's worth revisiting. And I finally did. And I'm like, okay, now I see it. This is, this is a masterpiece. This is a brilliant story of almost like the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. It feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like knowing what Facebook became, you know, experiencing that. It's like, this is the, the day the world ended. Like, we're watching it happen. The world as we know it ceased to exist, and now we live in Facebook. Yeah, you and, know, he, he, go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, feel free. Well, he has that. He has the line. You know, he's like, he's like, we we lived in farms, we lived in cities, and now we're gonna live online. And it's like that's like the most prescient like moment. It's like, yeah, no, we we do. Like we are we are gonna live online. Like like that's what everyone does. Like it's like to the point of it's like it, it has created this like crippling anxiety among like you know a certain generation. It's like. It's like terrible. I mean, like for the most part, it's like a horrible like development. You know, there are there are things that Facebook has done. There's people that it's brought together, and there's there's like um, coalitions and like some, some some like you know charities have been funded that you know, alter. Like sure, of course, good, but the, but the bad has like so 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 far outweighed uh, the good. Um, and the tool, like what it's used for by like the people who kind of have the money to kind of manipulate it a little bit, it's just like pure evil. And it's like 
the, the like what yeah this, the telling of this story through such a like at times like kind of whimsical like way you know like um but with this underlying sense mostly because of the score from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of like darkness like it's like uh, like this is this is dark this is dark shit that's like happening and like yeah parts of it are like really funny and like you're you know oh that, how crazy how that happened or whatever um but ultimately i view it as like it's a dark movie like it, and it's like it's telling a very dark it's, it's telling a very dark future um but that's part of the reason i think it's so good because it's just honest you know about like, like what is coming and what is happening right in the moment it's like to have to like be able to make that like as it's exploding i think it's just so impressive um and it's, yeah I, I think some of the, some of the cast is like I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of people that kind of go on to do a bunch of things that just have like very small parts in this movie. But Zuckerberg in particular, uh, Zuckerberg, eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that's how good he was. Uh, Eisenberg as Zuckerberg is just fantastic, and I think gets better with each rewatch. Yeah, and and it's it's like hands down the best use of Justin Timberlake ever, like yes. ever as Sean Parker. Uh, yes. I'm CEO, bitch. Yeah, like uh, yeah, I yeah, I could talk about this movie forever. So. Uh, I feel lucky to have it in my life. That's kind of how I, how I've always viewed social network is I can't believe I have that piece of entertainment. That's like, it's like under two hours. So the pace of it is like, what? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and yeah, Adam, to your point about how, like how dark it is, it, it's very, I mean, very much in line with fight club and Zodiac and these nasty, <laughs> gritty, gritty movies that, that uh, Fincher like loves to to latch himself onto. So Mindhunter, you know, a uh, Gone Girl, these just dark, dark stories. So I th- I don't think it's any lighter than any of those. <laughs> no, no, and, and and the the scene when he's walking, you know, through Harvard, and it's the 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 original. Like we first hear the score, the dum dum dum. Like yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, just yeah. that perfect little piano hit. Like yeah, it's just like I I can just hear that. And I can, I can, feel i can just like feel the first time i saw that and like every time i've watched the movie and just like having the lights off having this movie on like it yeah i can like literally feel it um as it's happening which is which is just perfect so um yeah i, th- I think it is like it, it's like this kind of it tells the story of like the 21st century perfectly you know yeah the, the last thing i'll say before we get to connor and i our our, our moment <laughs> is is um I remember seeing this in theaters with, with you and I think a few other people, I think, cause you were, like you said, you were almost 20 when this came out or about, about 20 and I was 15. And I remember being kind of like going because you were going or because Jeremy was going or, or, or whatever, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, that 15 year old Austin made the decision to like go see social network. It was more of like, Oh, like this is the guy who did do fight clubs. So, like you might like it, Austin. And I was like, okay, I'll go like, I'll, I'll go check it out or whatever. And, I remember kind of like everything like in that moment, like changed for me, whether I knew it or not. Now, when I look back, it is like one of those core memories of it, like changed the way I thought about movies. It changed the way I like thought about the pacing of movies and the way that like they can interest me without being interesting. If that makes sense. I feel the same way about Moneyball. It's like, like, it's like, it's like kind of boring baseball. Like, uh, I love the joke that it's like, it's like latching on to these, these moments that just have just no significance to us. Like, Oh, you came out to Palo Alto, like cool, bro. But it's like an essential moment to this thing that does affect our lives. Even though that like little thing, like, why do I care about that? Like, why do I give it, give a shit that he's like locked in, in Palo Alto now, like, and making Facebook a little bit bigger and, and, and Moneyball, another Aaron Sorkin movie. There's like a Ricardo Rincon trade. That's like, I don't care, but it's like, for whatever reason, it's super, super interesting when Sorkin writes about it. You get the walk and talk and all that stuff. 
<laughs> it just it just makes these things that aren't on paper interesting at all to be the most exhilarating ride of your life. So social network, yeah, all day, every day. Uh, also, one of the coolest endings when he keeps refreshing to see if yes, yes. to see if Eric see if Erica Albrecht has has accepted his friend request on on Facebook, a, a company he created. Wow, just beautiful ending with the Beatles playing. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful ending. <laughs> just to like Chef's kiss. Yeah, so. Good shit, um, Connor. Here we are, my friend. We knew we knew this. We knew this was coming all along, didn't we? Uh, this 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 is the best movie of the decade, along with Social Network for me, and also just happens to be my favorite. Connor, take it away. If you've been following the podcast for a while, <laughs> this should not be a surprise. This is a film we cannot stop talking about. I do love that we all went dangerous obsession for our number one. I do love that. Um, Whiplash. <laughs> Flip my pages, Johnny Utah. <laughs> Still fucking uh. see you, Mini Me. <laughs> this is this is maybe the greatest movie ever made about obsession. I mean, holy uh, shit! It's the most rewatchable uh. film on my list, maybe like of the decade. It's pure brilliance. It's musical. It's scary. It's dangerous. It's a uh, a warning. It's everything. It showed me a whole new side of J.K. Simmons that I cannot unsee. It's He's Terrence Fletcher for fucking ever now. <laughs> and showed me, you know, Miles Teller has the chops to stand up to a guy like that. Uh, there's so many ways to interpret this thing. You know, yep. is it is it a uh, does it end as a triumph? Does it end as a loss? Is it a complete loss of, of sanity? Is it one upping the asshole? It's completely up to you. Was te- you know was Fletcher in the right? Probably not, but maybe he got results. You can never stop thinking about this fucker. It's ever since I saw it, it's just been lingering in my head, constantly making me you know think differently. Like, well, maybe I should watch it again and figure that out. I've seen this a dozen times. I love it to death. It was the first thing I wrote down. It's the it's my number one. Me, yeah, it's the first thing I wrote down as well. And I was like, everything will fall into place. I don't care as long as. <laughs> yeah. as as yeah. long as Whiplash is is right there, uh, I know what my yeah. tempo is. It's this. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> rushing, <laughs> nor dragging. Definitely not. Dragging. Uh, yeah, God, oof, you know, just just the best stuff, just the the juice and and it, the product itself, I love. But I I also am like, the stars just aligned. You got this. You got this short film made by Damien Chazelle turned into this small budget, made a bunch of money, did a bunch of damage at the in the award season, mainly for uh, J.K. Simmons as Fletcher. And just has become this giant of of the 2010s that people just respect and highly regard. It's got like a 4.2 on Letterboxd. Like, fuck yeah. Like, uh, a win for the small guys, you know. Small guys are just trying to, like, make their dreams come true. And uh, look at Damien Chazelle now. You know, he always made four movies. It, like, the budget keeps getting, like, bigger and bigger and more dangerous, you know. Like, Babylon's one of the most wild movies of all time. So, I, I kind of just love what this movie represents uh, in its time and place. And Man, I do. I wish it would have won Best Picture over Birdman. That or Budapest Hotel, please, like, please, for the love of God. I like Birdman, but Whiplash is just this. It's just an iconic, iconic movie. And I thought all three of us would have this movie. So Adam, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Well, so I, I basically didn't pick it because I knew you guys would. So I was like, that's, that's <laughs> gonna get that's gonna get talked about. And so I, I was like, that you know. But no, I, I do think it's probably the closest we came to all three having one. Unless Connor, maybe there's one that you almost had that we that we both did, or uh, I guess I, maybe Get Out. 
I almost had Budapest Hotel and Parasite. So okay. Okay. Uh, okay. we we'd have all had that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Get out certainly is something I thought about. Yeah. I, I yeah I thought about a lot of the ones that you guys both have. Yeah. So no no whiplash it definitely came close and I I've used it recently with a, a somebody that I train. Um, she recently played like a really big game. And so I, I made the like rushing or dragging like joke. And she's like, what? Um, she's a big fan of, uh, of Top Gun Maverick. So I was like, yeah, Miles Taylor is like whiplash. I've never seen it. So I sent her the scene and she's like, oh, that's crazy. So, um, so I'll just like randomly use the rushing or dragging thing. Like when we're working out and stuff like that. But, uh, no, I, 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 yeah. Talk about obsession. I remember going home. Um, I saw this movie in college station at that, again, that, that, that Cinemark shout out to Cinemark. And I, I constantly in the, in the job that I do, like I battle the, like, is it worth it? if you get results is like how you treat people worth it. I've landed, I've landed on personally. No, I don't think it is, or at least to me, it's not. Um, I'd much rather treat people properly, even if like it doesn't lead to like the, the ultimate, ultimate results. Um, I, I, I guess I personally believe you can, you can do both, but um, you can treat people well and get results. But um, that's, I think a little bit harder to do than what, you know, the JK Simmons, just like the kind of classic athlete coach tale of just like ride them, ride them, ride them. And, you know, who cares? Like, how, you know, as long as like they win, like who cares, you know, um, I, I personally don't agree with that. Um, which is maybe why I'll never win on a, <laughs> on a super high level, but I'm okay with that because it's like, I'll take the trade off, but I'm telling you, man, that made, that movie made me think it really did uh, yep. a lot of different things. And I remember going home and, and feeling like really locked in. I remember writing this like really long thing. Um, not really about the movie, but it was this other like project I was working on at the time. And I just like wrote and wrote and wrote like in the next day I went to a coffee shop, wrote, 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 you know, it's just like, it's like, it did inspire something out of me. So um so yeah i, I mean uh, it, it's it's my bad jk simmons and miles taylor are are excellent um and yeah it, it was close i mean it's in my honor mentions you know i don't need to like mention that now but uh but yeah i mean i have no qualms with it. it's better than some of the other stuff i think we've we've chosen uh yeah yeah, just, yeah in terms of like the kind of favorite I, I i guess i haven't actually watched it that many times i mean i obviously saw it in theaters and i've seen it maybe once or twice since then but um yeah it's great i'm not i i'm actually surprised you all both had it number one um but I, I knew you guys would both would both have it so so yeah we 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 recently on the show, especially when we did Birdman, we both like had this moment of like, yeah, Whiplash is like extremely special to both of us, and we both kind of like we kind we kind of like came to the conclusion we're like this. I I think this is my favorite movie of the decade. You know, uh, we both came to that conclusion not that long ago on Oscar Sunday, and uh, so we knew this was coming. You know, we knew like oh, we didn't say it to each other, but we were both like. Yeah, we're gonna have some overlap, <laughs> and that, that overlaps. That overlap's gonna come to the like to the spot, the number one spot. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I love love everything about it. The interpretations, the inspiration you can get from it. How it's like a horror movie at times, uh, and some of the quotes are so fucking funny from Fletcher. <laughs> They're so so messed up. Uh, that might that might show a little bit of my personality. I, I I just find that stuff to be funny in movies. Like when he's like, "That's not your boyfriend's dick. Don't come too early." <laughs> It's just like, who says this shit? Like, like I don't say it, but I think it's so goddamn funny to hear it out of J.K. Simmons, you know, fucking Jameson from Spider-Man, you know, and the guy from State Farm commercials, just like saying this insane stuff and having the role of a lifetime. So, yeah. Oh, man. Connor, anything else you want to say about Whiplash? I just find it interesting. Like, I've got family who refuse to watch this because they were bullied in high school and it triggers them. Yeah, that's fair. Like, it's totally it's, fair it's an aggressive movie and you got to be prepared to handle some shit. But at the same time, it's like, if you're strong enough to handle that kind of abuse and let it like transform you into somebody who can be the best at what they do, 
is it like it really just comes the, it, the constant question is it worth it Jeez. and depending on the day i will have a different answer for you it's really if Me i'm watching too. it when i'm depressed i'll be like he shouldn't have treated him like that but if i'm in a good mood and i'm feeling like you know awesome i'll be like just take it andrew you're becoming a better drummer god damn it but i don't know it's really dependent on my mood it's that kind of movie yeah that's like the beauty of it right is it it like adjusts, it adapts, it adapts to like what you, what, what, what mindset you're in at the moment. And that's the sign of greatness. So boy, was this fun. Um, I'm going to run through like recap ours real quick. Uh, then we can do some, I, I just a couple honorable mentions each. Yeah. And, and honorable mentions. I really wish I'm like, shout them out. Like we don't need to talk yeah, about it. Same yeah. here. Yeah. So, should we, get... should we read our, our own? Yeah, go ahead. Adam, you start. Okay. Uh, so number 10, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Number nine, Inside Out. Number eight, Sicario. Number seven, OJ Made in America. Number six, Moonlight. Number five, Parasite. Number four, Grand Budapest Hotel. Number three, Her. Number two, Get Out. And number one, The Social Network. Connor? Nice. I had number 10, Ready Player One. Number nine, The World's End. Number eight, Uncut Gems. Number seven, Coco. Number six, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number five, Hereditary. Number four, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Number three, Parasite. Number two, Django Unchained. And number one, Whiplash. Love it. Love it. Definitely describes you. <laughs> uh, I had number number 10, Everybody Wants Some. Number nine, Waves. Number eight, Inherent Vice. Uh, number seven, Rango. Number six, Mining the Gap. Number five, Hereditary. Number four, The Social Network. Number three, Moonlight. Number two, The Master. And number one, Whiplash. Uh, Adam, let's get like a couple from you. Honorable mentions. Yeah, so I talked about Mad Max Fury Road uh, already, yep. and Toy Story Three is kind of my you know probably would have been in here if not for the kind of franchise thing. Um, everybody wants some. You mentioned uh, Moneyball, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Those are all ones I really considered. Some ones that have not been mentioned. Arrival, uh, strongly considered as well, but wanted to kind of keep it to one director or one movie per director. Lady Bird, I considered as well. Um, Pinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, an underrated. Ooh, uh, love uh, that book movie. adaptation, the John Le Carre novel um that is yeah perfectly cast and i think really again another mood setter girl with a dragon tattoo uh thought about that one uh and then a couple of the documentaries you already said hillsborough and two escobars my two kind of five-star documentaries i did not choose the other two i wanted to shout out were once brothers um the story of uh, uh, drazen petrovich and vladi divak in the kind of yugoslav the serbia serbia croat conflict uh in the kind of early 90s and then uh, Diego Maradona, the 2019 uh, documentary. Oh, like Yeah, ab- wonderful. Yeah, absurd. Yeah, Connor. Uh, my list was pretty concrete from the get go. Um, I cutting out franchise films allowed me to kind of go through the stuff that I like really wanted to talk about. So I put it together pretty fast. But um, there were a couple outliers. Uh, Moneyball was the big one. I really wanted to keep that in there, but then I thought, you know, oh, I'll, I'm it's safe. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Big mistake. In the future, I'll just take the bullet. Um, <laughs> I I nearly had prisoners. Oh yeah, I love prisoners. Yeah, that prisoners is such a brutal, violent, unforgiving film, and I think it's brilliant. It's probably my favorite Villeneuve film. Uh, and then one that I almost put but forgot it was a franchise. Actually, two that I nearly put but forgot they were franchise films. First up, Train to Busan. Yeah, classic. Uh, then I remembered there's two spinoff films. So I was like, shit, that movie is one of the greatest zombie films of all time. One of the greatest Korean films I've seen and just a beautiful movie. And then the other one was split. Oh, okay. That film just, 
stuck with me. I was floored by James McAvoy's incredible performance of like 23 different characters. But then I remembered, you know, oh shit, unbreakable. God damn it. And yeah, so couldn't do yep. it. But uh, I'm glad I got to, you know, shout it out. Very nice. Yeah, I love that. Uh, aside from the ones you guys have kind of mentioned, uh, I'll say definitely The Lighthouse I thought about. Uh, Marriage Story, Francis Ha, I thought about for a long yeah. time. Boy, boyhood, Roma, Tree of Life. I thought about Blue Roma Val- too. Yeah, yeah, Roma's great. Blue Valentine I love. Uh, First Reformed, I fucking adore that movie. Uh, Girlhood I also love. The Celine Siama film. Portrait of a Lady on Fire I love. Uh, a Separation, the Asghar Farhadi. Uh, a uh, film from Iran. I love that one too. Uh, I honestly thought about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse uh, in 2018. I thought that movie was great. I did too. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot, you know, Wolf of Wall Street's one that I've always connected with. Um, Gone Girl. Yeah. Uh, the Denny Villeneuve stuff that the Sicario prisoners enemy all the arrival. I love all of those movies, Blade Runner. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, this is the decade Nightcrawler. Fuck. I love Nightcrawler. This is the <laughs> decade where we kind of, you know, get to, get to shine the most because we've, we saw so much in theaters in real time and kind of can connect back to them. So this is an absolute blast. Thank you both for your passion, your, your kind of presence, you know, throughout this, uh, this long beefy episode. Uh, I, I really hope uh, people take these, take these recommendations and run with them or rewatch them. You know, the power of rewatching is real. So our plan is to, have an episode for every film that was that was uh, talked about here, aside from OJ Made in America, because you know eight, eight hour, eight hour <laughs> film. How do you do an episode on uh, on that? Uh, but this also I'm probably isn't the podcast for that that talk too. Yeah, yeah that that no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably probably for some other other folks out there. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll start off with uh, Scott Pilgrim vs the World. We're trying to do that next week sometime. So um, oh, yeah. super super stoked, and we'll go down the line. We'll do Connor's ten, my ten. We'll just go that way, you know, uh, leading up all the way to social network and whiplash. That's going to be awesome. So it'll be, it'll be good for us to revisit movies that we love and get a chance to like pick awards for them. And also, um, you know, you never know what gateways are going to open, what doors are going to open for you as far as, you know, films go. Now, like when I, when I watch um, rewatch Sicario, I'm probably going to try to rewatch other Denny movies and kind of like see what, see what I love about those as well uh, on a rewatch. So I can't wait. It's going to be fun. And we'll do this again. Um, Later down the line for the 2000s, the 90s, we're just going to try to make this a series. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And hopefully all three of us can be on Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, cool. definitely. Would love to. That was fun. All right, uh, Connor, any closing thoughts here? Uh, this is a great idea. I'm looking forward to, you know, re-experiencing a lot of these films and finding new ones and doing this again for different decades. This is a really cool idea and i'm i'm glad to be a part of this thanks for leading this one yeah we are sex bombs we'll see y'all next week keep watching movies